JD Moore. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming in. Hey, Nathan, thanks for uh, the invitation. And I appreciate you opening up your space for me. Yeah, of course. So all I know, I talked to Hannah this morning, who's the wonderful lady that manages the podcast. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hey, who's coming on today? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, uh, so he was like hired to paint uh, a, a mural. And then in the middle of it, they were like, you can't paint this anymore. And they like had him kicked off the project. Yeah. And he fought back and got to repaint it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, let's dive into this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's an interesting uh, story all on its own. It's connected to, of course, the greater story of like who I am as an artist and things of that nature. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, if you want to start there, we could just start right let's there. Let's do it. So I was working on a mural last year for the Tarrant Regional Water District. Um, That's an entity set up out there in in Fort Worth. They were working on a um, floodgate project, uh, a series of murals with several different artists, uh, national, international, a lot of local artists uh, to paint these floodgates that um, uh, kind of follow the Trinity River out there. And I uh, was finishing up that project in September, uh, I'd say late August, September, when I was approached by a city employee who happened to be surveying this little section that I was in. It was pretty far away from the headquarters that he came, that he comes from or that he works from. Uh, so he was, uh, explaining to me that this was just chance that we kind of ran into each other. Um, and he introduced himself as a, uh, employee of the city. His department is under the park and recreation department. So we're already talking about two different entities. <laughs> like there's the Tarrant regional water district, And then there's a city of Fort Worth and they all own and manage property and kind of do similar things, but they're different, completely different experiences. Um, So this city employee was explaining to me that they do something similar with murals and artwork um, uh, with their program. It's the graffiti abatement program is the sub department that he works for. And their goal is to respond to graffiti calls from property owners. Um, the city has it set up to where if you had, you know, some kid tag like your garage door or something, then they'll send the city out to remove it free of charge to the property owner. It's a city, you know, amenity of sorts. Uh, but in the history of this department's existence, they have implemented like an uh, artwork or a muraling program that has evolved from a very like uh, homespun, um, uh, just very uh, kid friendly sort of interactive project for school students, church groups, things of that nature uh, into soliciting you know the help and the work of professionals which is kind of where i enter this program uh and it might have been around for uh 
I don't know, maybe the last 20-ish years or something like that. So it's been a good little span of time since they've developed. And so um, I was interested in what he was talking about. I was like, hey, you know, I'm a muralist. I want to do more work, do more projects. And the uh, draw to me taking on this project was that the space he was offering is a historic part of Fort Worth. Uh, it's called Panther Island. And, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. In the moment, I was being sold on the, um, the idea of exposure and having an opportunity given to me uh, that would, uh, you know, elevate my career just based on that alone. Uh, he was telling me up front, you know, this isn't a paid uh, uh, opportunity. It's merely for, uh, uh, the, the opportunity itself, like getting a chance to paint in a very high traffic and historic location. Yep. And so, you know, I was like, okay, even though I'm not getting paid, um, uh, they offer to supply paint, um, which is a big bulk of, you know, what you're paying for, you know, with gigs in general, uh, you know, miscellaneous things, brushes, um, you know, any type of like cone, say, uh, traffic control, things like that. Uh, they um, asked me to, yes, yeah, submit a proposal to come up with a design for this underpass that um, is a part of a trail, a walking trail. It's, it's under um, a bridge. So there are four uh, sets, uh, four pairs of pillars, eight individual pillars. And, um, you know, there's also a, a portion of uh, the bridge uh, underneath it that needed, you know, paint as well. So when we were surveying the, uh, the location, I was like, you know, I really want to take all advantage of this and kind of just go full scale. I want to do as much as I can. And, you know, we're talking about maybe 25 foot high surfaces and it's a, it's a lot of surface area. So the caveat and the really, the real reason I decided to take on this project is because, um, it, there wasn't any pressure initially to get it done by a certain time. Uh, again, because it's not a paid job, I'm volunteering <laughs> my time to, uh, to do the job of this department. So their method is like, okay, if we put artwork up, it would deter people from tagging and, you know, it would help beautify the city and that's their whole motto or whatever. And so I, uh, I put together a proposal and it had to get approved by uh, city council members, you know, of that district. It had to get approved by, I want to say eight to nine different people. And, uh, sure enough, yeah, I got approved. I get started. And this is now November of last year that I'm getting started. Uh, in January, we had a group of high school students, uh, come out and uh, participate, volunteer their time to just lay on uh, uh, basic flat, you know, coats of paint to uh, 
um, you know, have this community volunteer aspect with it as well. And you paid a giant object to solid color. <laughs> yeah. You know, just something, something for them to get into and, and really feel like I'm putting, you know, into, even though the whole thing is, it's very a complex piece of work, but it was fun to have them out there. And, uh, I really looked at it as, as an opportunity to, uh, you know, say that I, you know, donated, you know, even though it's not a charity, you know, it, it felt very charitable. You on gave my, to your city. Miss, yeah, and I uh, learned a lot while I was down there, and so it took me maybe, let's see, so about five months in, so, yeah, well, about five months in, uh, we're in April now, I uh, get uh, a message from a new hire at this department, and uh she's telling me that the superintendent is getting a little concerned that it's taking longer than projected. And, uh, I'm like, okay, so, you know, what, are what are our options? What are we, what are we looking at doing? And, uh, she was like, well, we'll hire some, uh, some contractors to come out with a lift to maybe help you. Uh, so that, uh, seemingly was a, a very good solution because what I was working with was interior scaffolding <laughs> that I had to set up and build every day that I went out there, break it down. It was very ineffective, uh, dangerous method of doing this, but it's cost effective. Cause like I said, it's, uh, uh, not profitable. I looked at it as me not losing money. I didn't want to rent a bunch of expensive stuff, I uh, wasn't paying for the paint, but yeah, I'm not profiting off of it. But I uh, uh, said that, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. The contractor did some of the work to get a gauge on what to even charge for a project like this, because this is something that they don't normally do. They don't make artwork. They blast walls and cover up graffiti. They <laughs> they don't do, you know, paint, you know, uh, uh like artistry level, yep. you know what I'm saying? And they were quoting the department a number that they were not prepared to spend. And so they were like, okay, well, no, that's not an option anymore. And they left in the middle of uh, us all being down there. They're just like, now nah, you're on your own again. And I was like, okay, well, uh, I'll just keep working then. And, uh, <laughs> So, so yeah, fast forward to maybe a, uh, a couple days before I asked people for help. I got a call from the superintendent and he said, uh, man, you know, yeah, this is taking too long. Um, we're gonna just go a different direction to get it done quicker. And I was trying to understand what he meant by that. And I was like, um, so we need to, yeah, figure out how to get it done quicker because it's taking a while. Uh, what do you suggest we do? And he was like, well, we've already tried, you know, hiring contractors. Uh, like, well, you didn't really try. You got a quote and then shot down. The yeah, they, uh, they didn't really exhaust as many resources <laughs> as they were, you know, kind of leading on that they had. And so... So his uh, solution was to take me off of the project and then just find someone else to 
do it. And I said, well, wouldn't it make more sense if we just found more people to help me finish? And he was like, no, we're, you're done. You know, you're, uh, you're off of the project. Um, in so many words, he was like, you know, it's not, it's nothing personal. It's just business. Uh, um, you know, don't, it's not business. I'm doing it for free. (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, it was kind of a a condescending and a bit disrespectful, uh, 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 conversation we were having. Cause how many hours did you put into it at this point? Well over 200. I mean, I'd been (laughs) down there every other week from December to April. I had about three friends help me on maybe a, on the span of five days, my girlfriend would come down and help me maybe 40% of the time. So it was just, it was just me and, and, and sometimes her. And, um, and it was about 85% done when he wanted <laughs> to pull the plug. And I didn't understand why he, he wanted to do that. Cause it, that wasn't a part of like the agreement that we had set up or anything like that. Well, I take that. I do understand. I'm telling you the, you know, the surface level reasons where he was just like, it's taking too long. We want someone else to come in and finish it. And we don't want you to be a part of this project anymore. And then I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And he was just like saying, yeah, you're talking in circles. Let's let's not make this about pride. Just say, thank you, Michael. uh, And just be done with it. And I was like, like, why am I thinking you? Yeah. I was like, y'all came to me and asked me to do this. And, uh, And this is I, the most government employee thing ever. I was like, See, I, no dude who ran a real company would ever say that. It was so bizarre. I was very taken. I was like so confused, so taken aback. This isn't, you know, a situation that no one's ever, like you said, done this sort of, uh, uh, uh operating, you know, before, but, uh, the, the last I, I said, uh, as I was like accepting what he was saying, cause he wasn't trying to have a conversation to compromise. He was just telling me what it was. I said, uh, okay, so you don't want me to come back down there. I said, if I do go back down there and I just keep working, cause like I said, there's no, I'm not, I don't have an expectation of getting paid. You're not telling me you're, I'm not getting paid. I'm already doing it for free. I said, what happens if I go back down there? He was just like, well, we don't have to, we don't want to have to do this, but uh, we'll just have to say you're trespassing. And I was like, okay, you, you say no more. And I was like, well, we'll just see what happens. And that's when I uh, uh, hung up the phone and uh, I made a video asking for people to not take the job that they were going to start asking artists for, which they started doing uh, that same day. And uh, I was asking for support and I didn't know how much support I would get, but uh, I was very overwhelmed with the response of artists and just people who supported art in general, you know, how they felt about this. And I knew I was like, I knew I wasn't tripping like this is bizarre <laughs> and people shared the same sentiment and uh at first i told them to maybe call the office and then they were directed to email this person specific uh, specifically and that's what they did and i don't know what the count was on the emails that he received but it was so many that they had to start sending out just automated responses. The assistant director of the park and recreation board just started sending out automated responses and was like, okay, okay. You know, we thank you. Thank you for your uh, concern. And uh, you know, we're looking into this matter. JD, he'll be able to finish it. Uh, it, it very uh, much. So just spread 
to a lot of different people that, you know, I was not expecting a lot of government employees, a lot of council members, a lot of decision makers in the art world. And it, uh, it really pointed out a lot of, uh, flaws in the, the government shocker out there, <laughs> but, uh, just the, um, uh, the way that people perceive art and artists in general, it was very, uh, eye-opening to people who weren't aware of it but the people who were aware of it they were like well, okay this is exhibit a of how thinking that art isn't a profession or um thinking that you know artists don't need to eat or be paid like everyone else and that because it's seen as a fun thing that it's not seen as you know something that is laborious and you know that is valued you know it, uh, it, it definitely woke a lot of people up and, uh, the, re the result was that, uh, the decision was turned around and essentially I am the person who can finish the mural that I started. <laughs> you know, so that's, uh, so is that guy you know, still there? He is. Did and, he uh, apologize to you. Or? No, I haven't talked to him since he talked to me on the phone. Uh, and I don't ex even expect I would. He's a very prideful man. I'm not the only person he's treated like this. Uh, there are other mural projects that have this program tied to it. And those same artists were given testimonies of how they were just mistreated and taken advantage of. So. So what's his deal? I mean, is he just like, did he have any incentive to get it done earlier than so not so according so if you ask me when we get started on the project i'd say no there was no incentive to get it done by a deadline i made sure like is there a hard deadline he's like no we'll revisit it you know if we come up on some roadblocks uh but there's no deadline at the end when he was telling me hey we need to get this done i'm like oh well is there something i don't know is there you know like uh some sort of city council meeting you have to present numbers to or you know uh but there there that was a uh a cover-up reason for w the decision that he made this whole issue of of time and deadline that was kind of his he thought it would be a easy way to to uh uh, uh like skate past what his agenda was because it was obviously taking a long time but if you've ever seen it or been down there it's a really big <laughs> yeah what's the address uh, How do so you find it? i don't it, it's panther island that panther island pavilion that's the easiest way to find okay. it but yeah uh the numbers it has an address but the panther, panther yeah i mean panther, you tap that in google and you're good right you're gonna see a bridge on north henderson street and uh, the trail that runs right under there that's, sweet that's, yeah 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 mm. And so you actually don't know his real reason for wanting it done. Oh, no, I do. Well, it's so I know his reasoning for the bizarre decision that he made, which was to take me off of the project completely and as a solution to get it done quicker. So I was explaining that there was a proposal uh, and like a process that's had to go through. And so I had images, uh, renderings of my design pre-made printed, you know, as, as, uh, organized as possible. Um, they were actually using my proposal as an example for this next artist. They were trying to like line up for their next project. And it was, uh, so it was very, uh, um, 
very obvious and, and very clear what I was doing for each of these pillars, my intent, my, uh, my, uh, my vision, uh, the theme of this, uh, of this project is the seasons. I was using Norman Rockwell. You familiar with yep. his work? So the, I'm, I'm a portrait artist and I communicate through body language and through portraiture, through a lot of figures. Uh, and I interpret them in a realistic style. So I, part of my practice is to uh, work from photo references. I'll take photos of real people, obviously, and use that in work. I'll place them in settings. And so the idea is to have this array of seasons that show people just doing seasonal things, just doing outdoorsy seasonal things. And so I have that set up in my, in this packet and the first order of business during our meeting to kind of discuss the logistics and just kind of have a, a meeting of this whole thing is that he, he looks at it and he says, hmm, there, uh, there sure are a lot of African-Americans here. <laughs> he goes, uh, let's, um, let's, uh, let's fix this. And, uh, you know, cause this is going to be a problem. He was just like, you know, uh, we don't want people to think that the graffiti abatement program is racist or that we're picking sides. So instead of uh, like he points at one of my portraits and he goes, and so this one, in instead of them, you know, uh, you know, being black, let's uh, let's make them Chinese. Let's do that. And I was like, um, that's a really weird thing to just open a meeting with. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I can't do that. And I was like, because that's a real person. Uh, he was like, let's use the image, like the composition, everything. Let's just <laughs> change the people and make them different. This is such a government employee. Only a government employee would do this. Yeah. And uh, so looking back in hindsight, I realized that he has no art background and understanding to know um, uh, just the way things work. And he, in, in, he didn't ask why. There were so many dark-skinned people. I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second. So he's looking at it, and I tell him I can't do that. And I was like, because I took that's a real person, and uh, I, I just that's not how it works. And he goes, well, um, you know, well, if uh, you know, if people are walking by and they, you know, see all these black people, they might think that. Uh, uh, that, yeah, that our program is racist. And I was like, well, I was like, art is going to always summon critics. You can't control what people think. I was like, I mean, so he's like, we just want to address it. So at first I didn't realize or know if I was talking to him or if he was speaking for other people. Uh, and so, cause I, I, I tried not to get defensive or, or, you know, try to get anxious or anything like that. But I realized that essentially he, he had these feelings of, uh, being, uh, anti-black. And the thing that kind of solidified that for me was when he said, okay, well, um, well, we've addressed it, you know, uh, yeah, we'll leave everything as is. And he was like, well, you know, and maybe, you know, when the paint, it goes on, I know it goes on one color, like it goes on darker. And when it dries, maybe like, hopefully it'll dry lighter, like talking about their skin. He was like, hopefully it'll dry lighter. And so we won't have this problem. He was like, okay, so let's move on now. I was like, 
no, that's not how it works. <laughs> and I said, oh, and I said, have you seen what I've already done? And so the portrait or the mural that I was solicited doing uh, from, uh, it's a portrait of my sister who looks a lot like me. And it looks exactly how I intended it to look. And I said, yeah, have you seen what I've already done? Because what's on the paper, like, it's going to look like that. Like, it's not going to, their skin's not going to change. I was like, do you want to see what I've already done? Like, my other work? And he was like, no, I don't uh, want to see it. I don't have to see it. He's like, you can show it to me if you want to. Uh, but no, I don't have to see it. And I was like, hey. <laughs> see, this is a, there's a lot of things to unpack here, and there's a lot of things to say. I think the biggest thing that I would highlight and I would talk about, because I see it all the time, people often think what you do is easy mm-hmm. uh, and I'm just too busy. Like, I don't do that kind of stuff. I don't know how to do that kind of stuff, but it's easy. Mm-hmm. So, like, all the time we have uh, we have tons of great clients, mm-hmm. but at the agency we have a couple terrible clients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason why is because they look at when they pay a monthly fee to us that it's just like, Oh, like, yeah, you built a website and mm-hmm. you manage that website. And like, that doesn't, you know, it just manages. It's just a website. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how to write code. I don't know how to set up servers. I don't know how to do any of that, but I'm sure it's not hard. And you know, like, like I build roofs and you build websites, but like what I do is actually hard and complicated. It's roofing. Like what you do is like, like people just for some reason think that what they do is the only hard thing Mm -hmm. in existence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) and the thing that highlights that is he goes, well, yeah, just change the color of this guy. Just make this guy Chinese. Like he's thinking that what you're able to do is you're able to (laughs) like open up Photoshop, Mm -hmm. click their face and then click add new face and like click Chinese. And that's a Chinese. Like that's what he thinks. Like in his head, he just doesn't understand that. Like, uh, no, like this is a craft that I've honed in over a very long period of time. And mm-hmm. this is like something that people spend their entire lives being able to do what I'm good at. And mm-hmm. Or the process. And he didn't know or even care to know the process of how I got yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Cause, <laughs> yeah, cause it's the art. Yeah. Uh, that's so funny. Maybe a little dry lighter. It's like, it's just a comment. Uh, take out race, take out everything. All it is a super unintelligent comment. <laughs> it was, yeah, very unintelligent. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, at the bare minimum, it's just like, this guy's really dumb. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not how paint works. It doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. It does the opposite, actually. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, that was quite uh, surprising. To that comment was surpri- more surprising than his concerns because I was very aware that uh, in a city like Fort Worth, having a uh, a very overwhelming um, uh, amount of and, and larger than life portraits and figures depicting dark skinned people would uh, make people uncomfortable. I, I was very aware of that. How uncomfortable? I did not expect what has unfolded to be the amount, but uh, 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 yeah, the, uh, uh, the way in which, he was approaching it was very passive aggressive very uh yeah condescending i mean i don't have to see your work it's like well Well, yeah it's kind of important why wouldn't you like if if this is uh you know an investment you're making on your property yeah why wouldn't you want to vet someone and that's he i thought about it later as thinking of him walking with his eyes closed and 
he ended up tripping. Like he didn't know what he was getting. He didn't know who I was and what I've already done. Um, yeah. And, and if you haven't looked at some of my other mural stuff, I uh, just earlier in 2020, I painted a really big mural in front of Dallas city hall that said black lives matter. And if it's like, do you know who I am? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a, you know, too black art. This is, this art's too black. And I was like, I mean, these are, and so, um, so the art itself I'll explain is, uh, is a, a piece about, um, people primarily the issue that I had with him making those comments about uh, there being too many African-Americans was that, like I said, there are eight pillars total. Only five of those eight had very obvious dark-skinned people. And the other were a lot more ambiguous intentionally so that there are so many other groups of people that need to be represented um, if you see a more ambiguous figure, you can attach yourself to, you know, someone, uh, and there are various shades of people. The problem was he just saw too many of one thing and too many of something that I feel like oftentimes gets, uh, 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 uh you know, villainized, criminalized, you know, makes people feel uncomfortable. Um, but the point of the mural is to just show people doing you know, everyday things and have it be a, a very colorful experience as you're walking through this underpass. And uh, it, it's unfortunate that it uh, has. So have you finished it? So I've not finished it because the way that I was doing it before was with a interior scaffolding. There are the first level, the first tier is about six feet high. I had to stack three of those up to get all the way up. That's already unadvised. I had <laughs> um, outriggers to kind of support myself, but the terrain of this area, it's very uneven. So in order for me to be that high and to be on the terrain, I was on very unstable uh, ground. And so I decided that it's not worth risking my safety to do something not only for not getting paid, but after I've learned that I'm not even being respected <laughs> for, uh, you know, what I was asked to do, then I'm going to take my time and find the best way to do this in a way that is only not only safe, but that's not going to stress me out. Cause like I said, I had to pull down from my van very heavy scaffolding every day at the beginning, set it up, take it down to relocate it, set it back up to paint a little bit, break it down, put it all back on my van and then leave every day. And I was not going to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I've, um, uh, I've applied for uh, a grant to, uh, uh, fund a lift, a proper, tool for this type of job. And I've, uh, 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 started accepting donations from people who, uh, you know, love the work that, that I create. And, 
that the time for me to know if I have this grant, it's, you know, we're right on, uh, on the timeline of, you know, them announcing, you know, uh, you know, who's, who, uh, is the recipient and all that type of stuff. So cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's going crazy. to be finished this for a year. Isn't that insane though? I was you, like, really think about it. I could have been done by now. Had he not <laughs> like, I was chugging along. That's the whole thing. Is I was like, what was I doing wrong? You know, but he had his own. Yeah. 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 So that's a, that's the abridged version of it. <laughs> yeah, man. That's so hilarious. I just, it's obviously the meaning to me is different than probably the meaning to you, but the meaning to me is still hilarious. Mm. That like, it's just this like, cause like I'm used to it from the sense of just people who don't know what they're doing, acting like they know what they're doing. Mm. Uh, and so I think my favorite part is, can this guy be Chinese? <laughs> Yeah, you said that. He's like, and I was like, did anyone else hear that? But I think he's like that because I've heard of his and other employees be like, man, I know how my boss is. I know how he is. And like I said, I'm not the first artist that he's done this to, but I'm the first artist who has like publicly put it out there that this is a problem. Like they're doing something weird over here. Uh, I mean, that's. What to, does he run for a election of any sort or is he just like over the parts and rec department? I don't know if his position is elected. He's the superintendent um, and he manages the funds that it's, it's a CCPD funded program. Um, so he has ties to the police department funds somehow. I don't know. Yeah. How, what his, other than delegating where the money goes, I don't know what his, relevances to a mural program well maybe it's ordering paints or knowing how much you know money it's gonna cost but uh i love if he was like it's a couple gallons enough <laughs> what was crazy is this is a very this is the most complex the largest mural that they've ever done and i said i'm gonna need a lot of colors and i'm probably gonna need a large volume I submitted an order for maybe 18, 19 separate colors, five gallon drums per color. They had no problem ordering up a big order from PPG, like just, you know, industrial grade, everything. And, uh, you know, there's this piece about me actually getting paid and going back to like them not respecting artists or thinking art is a job. They will not give me a dime the mural has suffered uh damage and i'm like i've already volunteered i have to repaint stuff that weather has degraded because this is, it's been at a standstill they haven't done any sealing of the murals i haven't worked on it any so i was like i'm not going to re-volunteer my time i need to get paid <laughs> they're like no we're not going to pay you we're actually going to hire contractors to do it instead and I'm just like, yeah, that's so strange, man, that they want to just hire somebody like instead of just hiring you to fix it. They want to hire. They're going to hire contractors. And what's the reason behind that? Be I, and I wanted to get a direct statement for why aren't you paying me, but you're giving money. I would understand if you didn't have the funds. Yeah. You just don't want me to get paid. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it is just a continuation of the mindset of. Your art is a charity. It's, um, it's something you do on the side. It's a side hustle. This is a, a hobby. This is, you know, you're not a professional. 
uh, because you get to do something fun and I have to sit in a desk and, and, and push paper and push, you know, push, uh, push pins and all day. And, uh, uh, so it's just, I, I can't speak for them. Why I believe that it's just, they don't respect what I'm doing and they want to, I think you should keep hammering that. I think you should keep hammering and saying, Hey, it doesn't make sense that you're going to pay these contracts. Like pay me the same amount you'd pay them. Like I'll do it for the same price as them. It, it doesn't make, cause those contractors aren't artists. I have to, I'm going to have to fix the, the, cause no one has the, uh, passion for, you know, the, I get that. I get that. I'm just saying, saying, but just keep hammering to them mm-hmm. that you got to be the one to fix it. I, you know, I've had meetings with the director of the park and rec department and then they're not budging. It's, uh, it's just like a, it, can this, they give you a exact, they had to be able to give you an exact answer of why they hire a contractor to fit something that you did instead of hiring you and paying you the same thing they'd pay a contractor. You, you should at least you, have ability to get paid what they're going to pay the contract. You would expect that there would be something sense, sensible, something that, oh, okay, I get it. I haven't gotten that. It's, it's a lot of, you know, talking in circles and, and saying, well, you've already started, you've already signed that you would donate. And so it wouldn't make sense to uh, uh, go back on, you know, making the denims to the agreement. And there's no contract because you're not getting paid. It's just an agreement. I signed uh, 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 waivers and things like that. And it's ah, like we're already here. Why? You know, it's. All right. So this is how you're going to answer that. You're going to say, look, I'm finishing the project just as the agreement states. I'm not changing or going back on the agreement. Mm-hmm. So stop saying that. Mm hmm. In the process of this, it got damaged, and you're going to hire another company to damage it. And because I've put my life and soul and 400 hours into this, mm-hmm. I want to be the one to fix it. I'm not asking for a ton of money. I'm asking to pay me what well, you're going to pay them. And because they're government contractors, I'm guessing they're going to get way more than I was even going to ask to fix it. And, you know, I would need a lawyer to do that because they have mentioned their law department about uh, the issue of me getting a li- why won't you supply me a lift? Can you can the resources you uh, provide be that? I have to go find my own funding source for that. Um, and if, if you know there's someone you know that has uh, you know legal uh, counsel about you know and to take on a a city government, you know their law department that is someone to look at that paperwork and say, yeah, well, like you just said, it doesn't make sense to. Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's not a legal thing. You're never going to win this week legally. They're covered legally. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just about you getting the right press like you did the first time around. And so yeah. it's all about how you position the story. Yeah. So you need to position it as uh, first you need to finish it. Mm-hmm. And then when you finish it, you need to position it as, Hey guys, there's some things that got damaged because of how long this taken hasn't been sealed yet. Mm-hmm. And, they want to hire contractors that aren't artists to fit it mm-hmm. instead of just hiring me to fit it. And I have said that I will charge exactly whatever they pay the contractors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've thought about, yeah, like doing what you said, finishing it and then filing a lien on it and being and and using that as my leverage. You know, I, uh, that's something I wasn't even prepared, you know, to take on. I'm not saying that I won't. I need to know, yeah, exactly in what way to, to you know. It's uh, all about how you approach things. Exactly. You don't want to approach this legally. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do not approach this legally. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the thing is, it's just getting the right people and getting clear statements. Mm-hmm. So it's saying, I need to understand that after I finish this, why you're going to hire a group that doesn't know what they're doing mm-hmm. and pay them the same amount you pay me who does know what he's doing to do this. Right. 
Yeah. And yeah. then get that answer written. Yeah. You can get a written answer to that. That's what you want to force. Okay. It's the government. So they're legally required because they work for you. You pay taxes. Mm. They're legally required to give you a written answer. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, and so if they won't, you can just get enough press until they eventually release a statement. Mm. Just like you did the first time around to get back on the project. That's uh yeah. No, that's something I'll take straight up. Yeah. To the director and, and to this person I'm working with now uh, uh, to say, hey, this is what they said. And I I uh, would be very surprised if they give an answer other than, yeah, that does make sense. We should be paying <laughs> you. Uh, but we'll see what yeah, happens. They there. just have to give you an answer and just mm-hmm. know that. Like, like, don't settle for the, like, because essentially what they're trying to do is, is, this is what businesses do. This is just people who are shitty. They do this, but they're trying to distract you from the, what you're trying to get at. So mm. they're trying to say, well, we have these agreements going back. And so you had to just stay hammered. It's just like, look, I'm finishing the project. This isn't about, <laughs> mm. this is about after the project is finished, you're going to hire people to fix things that got broken during this. Mm-hmm. Mm. You've said you're going to hire people. Mm-hmm. I'm saying instead of pay them, pay me to right. fix it. And you can pay me exactly what you were going to pay them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then make that your entire re- request, like a, that they give you a written answer to that. Mm. Make sure that you probably want to write a public letter. Mm. And so they respond to your public letter. Then, so you write something in writing, they write something in writing back. Mm. Um, and then you just get the community support around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I think that you already have the community. That, exactly. Yeah. Again. I think that that would be, you know, the easier pieces because like you said, yeah, the community is behind not only this project, but behind, you know, me as an artist, but behind the principle of uh, uh, artists uh, 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 changing the narrative of ourselves, you know, being professionals or and uh, and, and being treated as uh, any other contractor or any other, you know, um, uh, you know, work like that, you know. So remember, that's half on you. Hmm. It's not fully on them. Mm. It's half on you. It's your job to force at every turn, hey, this is just what I do for a living. This is how this works. This is mm-hmm. my hourly rate. This is what I charge per project. This is what I charge per square foot. Mm-hmm. This is like, it's your job to approach it in a way that they don't have an option to put you in that box. And going forward, the beginning of all of this could have been solved by, you know, being more firm in, I'm a professional, I'm not a hobbyist. Despite the whole volunteering, donating, all that, you know, instance. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. It is on me to tell them how you have to treat me. Yeah. You know and then another thing you're going to do, I'm not telling you how to, not telling you how to live your life or run a business, <laughs> but another thing you're going to do is next time you already something like this again, you're going to write a full proposal with a full price. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to say, um, uh, like uh, donating X amount to the city. So let's say you're gonna say, okay, this is a $39,000 price tag for me mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm donating $39,000 to the city, mm-hmm. um, which makes this $0 sign right. here. Like you make an official agreement mm-hmm. that you gave a $39,000 discount to on a $39,000 project. Uh-huh. Uh, and that way, if there's ever a rehiring or whatever, you can base it off your rate that you did the proposal off of. Yeah, yeah. You're actually the second person to tell me that it, I need to invoice at an amount discounted for that so that there is a paper trail of value. Yeah. And if, yeah, there are any circling the back around about what those sections were that had to be fixed and what the contractors got paid, this and that, there can be receipts for all that. Yeah, no, that's good advice. And, uh, and we're still communicating the city and I, so that door is still there for me to just really push like, 
why give money? Why are you avoiding? Paying? That's not the, the way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the thing you say, avoiding, you're pointing fingers. You never want to point fingers. Mm. You just want to go directly to what the problem is. The problem is this is broken mm-hmm. and you're going to hire another group to fix it. That isn't as experienced as me mm-hmm. and Fort Worth deserves better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep the narrative on point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 That's uh cause the second you point fingers at me, I'm just able to point fingers right back at you. Okay. But if you give me clear statements, there's nothing I can do. Mm. If you say I painted this, there's nothing I can do to dispute that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, something's got damaged because of that. Y'all took me off the project. Mm-hmm. No way to dispute that. Mm-hmm. You're going to hire another company to fix it. No way to dispute it. I want to be hired for, to fix it. No way. To, you know what I'm saying? Like you just oh, want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the second yeah. you go like you hire your races or whatever the case is, it's like, okay, now we're just pointing fingers and now nothing gets done. Mm. Yeah. There's uh there are very ob- objective uh, 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 facts of looking at the situation and saying this happened there's a lot of subjective uh, uh, points of view as to why things happen, which is what fuels, I think, a lot of the energy that was put into the response from the community, from myself. Um, keeping those separate is hard. It's, it's really hard to keep those two things to separate, I'll admit, uh, because they, they, they both feel real. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, so you're... I'm, I know we went straight into this story, but <laughs> yeah. you're a muralist, a p- artist, I guess, of all sorts, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a tattoo artist, right? right? How long have you been doing that? Since 2013. Okay. And I have lots of questions okay. about this. I've never interviewed a tattoo artist. I've always wondered this. Okay. Is tattooing a black person harder than a white person because of contrast? So look at my, like, I am very pale. So yeah. If you put black ink on me, I feel like it's easy to see on uh-huh. you. I don't know what's on the side of your arm. I just see that it's a little darker. Right, right, right. So I wouldn't say harder. I would say that there is a, a learning curve. I tattoo a lot more dark skin than my neighbor. You know, let's say I would say it's the same. It's not as hard. It's, there's just a learning curve. It's like a stick shift versus uh it's like a stick shift on in a car versus riding a motorcycle. Like it's kind of the same, but there are mechanical differences <laughs> that you have like it's body. so much easier on a bike. And, and it's a, uh, it's a learning curve. Um, uh, it's definitely different though, because yeah, the tone of the skin is, is obviously different. Um, but, uh, no, I wouldn't say it's harder. Okay. Yeah. It's just different. So what are the things that are different about it? So if you think about skin like a window, it kind of makes it a little easier to understand because a lot of people assume tattooing is like painting where you put the, um, uh, the medium on top of a surface. Tattooing is happening underneath the, the surface. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the skin has three layers. It has the epidermis, the dermis, and the subdermis. I was homeschooled, so I knew none of that oh, right now. Okay, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. So the colors that we see on people, the um, the, um, the tone or the skin color, that is happening in the epidermis. Um, that's where you have um, this pocket of cells called melanocytes. If a person has a lot, they're darker. If they don't, then they're lighter. And... 
when you tattoo a person, you hit past the first level and hit the dermis right here. So if a person has dark skin, you're basically looking through tinted glass. <laughs> if, if a person has light skin, there's not a lot of obstruction, like visually. So you see straight to the flesh, straight through to the dermis. And so that's the biggest difference is understanding that uh, you have to compensate for just that scale of tone that you're starting with in that first uh, 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 that first little layer right there. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've always wondered why there isn't like tattoos that last like a year or two years. Mm. Like there isn't ink that just like gradually fades over a couple of years. That um, there isn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause it would make sense. Like for me, this is not talking shit to anybody, <laughs> but for me, I consider myself a creative person uh-huh. and most really creative people I know change their mind a lot. Sure. So putting something on their body for life. Like I know like people that think they're creative is so they get tattoos, uh-huh. like cover their body. And I'm like, yeah, well now like what happens if you change your mind, you want something else and right. your body's already covered. Like, right. Again, yeah. I'm sure there's a reason I can interview them, whatever. But, uh, so I would love if I could get like a tattoo mm-hmm. that in two years would be completely gone. And I could be like, cool. I'll get something else. Like I want, I want like a tattoo that's more like a whiteboard. Yeah, I feel you. And and there's actually parts, places on your body where that's more likely to happen as opposed to other parts of your body. Um, so tattoos, they do age, they fade, they, um, uh, the aging process, it looks like it's blurring and it's getting lighter and lighter over time. So it's doing that a little bit. It is going away, just not enough for it to be but gone. Is, yeah. Is there any ink though that has come out that is like, doesn't last as long or isn't as like fades over time? No. More I, than usual. I don't know what that would be like, what type of material or, 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 or chemical, uh, 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 that you'd have to put together for that to happen. Uh, cause yeah, once you put anything in that layer of skin I was talking about, then it's there. And the body kind of takes over from that sense. Uh, uh, so there's not like a, yeah, um, something you can get that looks like a real tattoo and that you go <laughs> through that experience that would, uh, that would fade. So yeah, yeah, yeah. how did you practice? Do you only practice on humans? Are you able to practice tattooing on things? I tattooed oranges. Okay. When I was starting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can tattoo some pretty, uh, complex things on, on the orange peel. Uh, the like old school thing to do is a pigskin. Uh, I never did that. Um, my boss said that it would just stink up the shop, you know, <laughs> getting pigskin or, you know, but, uh, now they have rubber pads. There's companies that make, um, faux body parts of silicone arms, heads, feet. Uh, but there's nothing like skin. You do have to practice on skin. And when I started right out of high school, and in high school, I drew a lot. And so I was already known as the art kid. So as soon as you tell a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds, hey, I'm doing free <laughs> tattoos, I had no shortage of practice. So so it, it worked itself out that way. Um, now, I don't know how it works. So it's like you have a gun of some sort with a needle in it mm. that's hooked up to paint and you're going like poking holes <laughs> Uh, that's, that's, that's the, yeah, the layman's uh, way of yeah, yeah, looking at it. Uh, so, um, we call them machines. We don't like when people call them guns, 
That's like uh, I don't know where that came from, uh, but because uh, they're real, they're very complex pieces of machinery, especially the traditional one, the loud buzzing ones, the okay. coils. It's very fascinating how that all works. And then it's not uh, paint; it's pigment. Um, now some of it is synthesized, but it's honestly um, uh, uh, elements of earth mixed in, just suspended in water. Uh, so cobalt, you'll get blue, iron, you'll get red, uh, <laughs> a carbon, you'll get black, you know, there's, and then you mix them up and get different colors, of course. But, uh, yeah, it's, the practice is very similar to the ancient way of doing this. Cause it's been around obviously for, since humans have, you know, figured out how to do it. Um, it's just been more modernized with electricity, uh, the way that the machine works, the traditional tattoo machines is through electromagnetism. Um, it's a, called a doorbell circuit. It's, it's yeah, very fast, but it's just, yeah, up and down a needle that goes, it pu- and when it comes up, it gets ink. And when it comes down, it puts that ink through the skin and leaves it there when it pulls it back out. And then you just make art that way. Yeah. So do you get to move at a certain pace? You, a lot of artists work all types of ways. They can range from moving the machine as slow as uh, maybe let's say 60, 60, let's call them beats, 60 beats per minute to 10,000. And then a person's hand speed, everyone works differently. So it's very personalized. So not only is the art from art tattooer to tattooer specific, but the way they apply it, how they hold everything, how they, uh, the order of operations, it's all, um, it follows a method, a general umbrella, but it, you'll get so many different variations of how that works. And a lot of it's regional, um, uh, like, you know, it's almost like accents, like speaking language, uh, lang- one language in a lot of different accents. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So crazy. Yeah, man. It's, it's fascinating, man. Uh, they have ink that glows in the dark, right? They do. And, and so I wouldn't call that ink and it's not a pigment. It's a chemical. <laughs> and, and I personally, every time someone asks me, I tell them I, I'm not going to do it because I don't feel comfortable putting a fluorescent chemical in somebody. I think a lot of people have had successful like healings of tattoos like that. Uh, but in the span of the history of tattooing, it's so new that I, I really don't. Now, do you know how tattoo removal works? A bit. And that is something that has to be learned the same way a tattooer has to learn how to tattoo. Because I know how to tattoo doesn't mean I know how to take them off. Yeah. Uh, and so a person has to be skilled at removal. It's the most common way is it's lasers, is, right? Is Yeah. Ha, uh, knowing how to set a laser to remove the um, the wavelength of a color. Uh, so let's say if you had black, they would have to know how to dial in this laser to remove that part of the tattoo. And because uh, there are some people who go for five, six, seven sessions and it's barely gone. And then there are some people who go to two and it's completely gone. And then uh, I've had a couple of my clients who have darker skin come back with um, trauma to their body because it because their melanin is in the way and that's a whole that's um there there's an element and there's carbon in there that gets you know that might mess something up so and so when you're looking at 
uh, something that decides thickness. It's all the same thick. It's just you doing multiple lines of pass-throughs, right? Thickness of people's skin? No, of the tattoo itself. Uh, what do you mean thickness? Like, like uh, let's say somebody had like a line tattoo. Okay. Um, you know, it was like their signature. Mm-hmm. I don't know why somebody's, you know, I don't know. It says, right, right. what's a basic white girl tat? Uh, uh, like a, I don't know. A, a dream catcher. Yeah. Dream, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like she had a dream catcher, but it's like outlined and it's very thin. Sure. Uh, versus maybe somebody has an outline that's like slightly thicker. Oh, okay. I got what you're saying. Um, is that controlled in the needle or is that controlled in just your hand? Uh, both. It's okay. both. Yeah. Yeah. There are needles. Um, that come in groupings of one to 20. And so I can create a line that's like, um, like a fine tip Sharpie or a bold marker Sharpie, or I can take two lines and then fill them in. And then you got a really fat line. Uh, So there's just, yeah, there's all types of ways to go about it. Yeah. I've been close. Uh, I've been close. Oh, you don't have any? No. I mean, that's why I know nothing, absolutely nothing about it. Um, Mm, that's cool though. I've been, uh, again, I keep changing my mind mm-hmm. and th- then I decide I want it on an object. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I just like the idea of it being on my body and, you know, again, the end goal is being president. I'm just, mm. I'm not sure America's ready for a president that has one tat. Hey man. <laughs> hey, but you know, and so the acceptance of tattoos has changed so drastically. I've tattooed lawyers, uh, judges. I've tattooed my old high school teachers. I've tattooed people. I never, I tattooed my old babysitter just the a preacher's wife you know she's in her 60s or something like that so yeah that is true it has become a lot um it is a lot more acceptable mm-hmm. man old people with tattoos though that have had them for like 40 years look like crap so and and <laughs> it's interesting you say that because when let's say a, a person who's old now got a tattoo let's say in the 50s or the 60s the technology that's hap- that's possible now the people who are going to turn 60 who's gotten a tattoo, you know, in, in their 20s, it's going to look a lot better. It's going to look a little bit more uh, true to the original than it would than what they were doing back in the Sailor Jerry days. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, the, it's fascinating. Like what is and because so the acceptance has become from people seeing it as art and seeing that, oh, it's not just the pinup girl on the side of uh, a bomb or something like that, or a mom heart, people are getting artwork, fine artwork on their bodies. If you see the big name guys in over here or in Europe, man, it's, it'll blow your mind. And so, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's different now, man. Yeah. See if I could ever get again, like a one year tattoo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, I would want it super like perfect lines would be the only thing it'd be mm. like, I want it to be the straightest, like <laughs> everything to just be symmetrically perfect. Yeah. On it. Well, I'll tell you tattoos probably aren't for you though, man. <laughs> there's an organic sort of quality of tattoos, especially as they heal, you know, it's a part of your, your body, your organism now. And, um, that's the difference between it and a, a artwork on like a canvas or it's not going to be as static it's going to scar when you scar. It's going to age as you age, you know. So, yeah, that perfect straight <laughs> line you got, you know, at year one. At year 20, it'll be in the same spot. It'll be just a little bit blurred. It might have a little bit of, you know, some wavy, like a little blip here and there uh, because of that. See, I heard way. like laser, it's like the laser removal is super painful. 
Uh, that's what I've heard. I've never. And getting a tattoo is also super painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe if they find a way for both those not to be as painful, then I can get one, and then a year later just have it laser off. Hey, yeah, that a lot of a lot of people would follow suit if that were the case. Yeah, man. Yeah, that, yeah maybe great. that's my solution. Maybe I should just go get them lasered off in a year. That hey, that's if once that happens, yeah, it's game over. Everyone's getting it. Uh, yeah. There is a company that has like um. Like print-on tattoos that last for like three weeks, like they're uh, they're getting pretty legit, and how they can go into the skin. I I feel like I've seen some advertising. But again, and stuff, you know? it's like a chemical, and that yeah, always yeah. freaks me out. It's like, man, I, I want to put Roundup on my body, you know? You're right. Like, like right. There's a reason I like organic fruit. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want it in my skin. It's uh, and that's why, yeah, I don't like the the fluorescent stuff. Uh, 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 but pigments that like have been tr- tried and tested are a lot more. Uh, com- comfortable with that but yeah like i don't know what's in a lot of things that aren't uh yeah l- l- natural you know if that makes sense have you ever met somebody who's classy with like a lip tattoo oh yeah i've known a few people with lip tattoos that were classy oh that's uh, the question has the tattoo been classy not <laughs> yeah. was oh, okay okay them as a person uh <laughs> you know actually i my one of my really good friends, uh, who I who was a piercer, <laughs> had a, a funny. He had chicken and waffles tattooed inside of his lip. But the smartest dude, very debonair, uh, he, he very um, very charismatic. I'd call him classy. He, uh, I know him personally. If you would have, if you would have met him, <laughs> he has tattoos everywhere. Of course, yeah. you know what I'm saying. But uh, he does have chicken and waffles tattooed inside of his lip. I, uh, I met a girl at a bar. I don't drink, so okay. I'm already not supposed to be there. I'm okay. like there with somebody's birthday or something. I got you. Um, and she was showing somebody. I guess I didn't meet her. She had somebody. I just she was around, whatever. And she was showing a guy in our group or whatever that she had good girl like tattooed on the inside of her lip. Oh wow! And I was like. Guess who's never going to be wife material? <laughs> hey, people, guess who I would never want to have kids with? <laughs> hey, people have different goals. I guess. People got different ambitions out here. Yeah. I was like, man, like I hope your dad passed away because he would be so ashamed. <laughs> it, well, people got stories, man, and that's what's crazy about tattoos is people open up to you and you realize, like, man, like this is not what I was expecting when you came in here. And, and some people are more reserved than others, but for the most part, man, like. That's what's crazy about tattooing is they'll tell you their story, why they're getting what they're getting. And it's not always like, you know what I'm saying? Um, Cody Johnson's a professional skateboarder. Mm. And uh, is Cody Johnson's name? No, that's my friend. <laughs> uh, is it Cody? Is there two Cody Johnsons? I wouldn't know. I, I know. I'm trying to think. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm going to have all this out of the podcast. You don't need to worry about this. Okay, okay. Um, damn it, damn it, damn it. It's Cody something. Anyway, he's a professional skateboarder, uh-huh. and we did a promo video with him for Rabbit. Mm, nice. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'll get, like, Rabbit's carrot tattooed. I think it's a dope logo. I'll get it tattooed on my finger. Mm, okay. And so we went to, like, four different places, and none of them would do it. Okay, right. Yeah, is that yeah. a thing? Yeah, yeah, it is. Because so when I was mentioning to you about temporary, there are parts of your body that won't hold the tattoo the way it would anywhere else. So the parts of your body that exfoliate and that push out the skin. So you have those skin as your cells regenerate. I'm sure you've heard that like you end up with new cells, yep. you know, and so it goes I was homeschool, but I know at least, at least <laughs> I know that part. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and that's, it goes up, it works its way out, you know? And so, 
uh, on the parts of your body that have this type of texture. So the bottoms of your feet, the palms of your hands are the biggest, uh, uh, are the fastest rate, uh, rate of exfoliation. What about the top of your finger? That's a little different. It's, it's still, so now you're talking about extremities. It wasn't even where it was just like, they're like, Oh, like we're about to close or, um, we're busy tonight or like, it was so, yeah, it's, it's not fun. They don't look great because it's a small area you got to yeah. work in. Um, and, uh, my friend Matt has, a on his trigger finger, does he have it? He's got like, he's got bang. Okay. <laughs> exclamation mark. Yeah. He's like rolling the guns. Right. Right. So anytime you hold a gun, you just like zoom in. It's like that. Yeah. And so in, in normal, if I, I bet if he were to show you what it looked like at first, where it looks like now, even on the top of his hand, it's not as crisp and as sharp and it's not as, can that, can that be at, can that be fixed? Cause he owns a tattoo shop. So I feel like he could probably all you can. So you can add more ink to tattoos. You can't take any away. So if it's gotten big, you can't make that smaller. Yeah. You can only add more and maybe you can just crisp it off. <laughs> hey, if you want to go through that, man, but yeah, that's a different story. How crazy is that, man? We're shooting laser and people lasers and people to remove tattoos. Like, can you, yeah. like somebody was like, Oh, what do you do for a living? Like, Oh, I shoot lasers into people to remove. Like, how did you, like, it's just so crazy. Yeah. There's an industry for it. And so people figured it like, out. Who experimented that? Like who was just playing with, high performance lasers that like do metal engraving or like, you know what? I bet if I turn this down a little bit, I could, Hey, yeah, maybe <laughs> it was a happy accident. I don't know what happened, but, uh, uh, I know I wouldn't have thought of to, yeah, be popping people with a, <laughs> a, a laser to, but it worked. It, they figured it out. Yeah, I had a boss, Daryl. Um, I had a summer job at a golf course, like watering. Uh, it was the only golf course that didn't have an irrigation system. So it meant I like drove around all day oh, wow. and plugged in the hose and watered. Wow. And it was like the worst Metro golf course. But anyway, I had this great boss, Daryl, who, uh, you know, always had a whole can of some type of chewing dip in his mouth and just probably showered once a year, you know, that okay. kind of guy okay. had no, he had no hair, just had hair on the sides and then a ponytail, but nothing on top. Ah, I see who you're talking um, about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he drove like a 75 truck that he had been driving since 75. Wow. Um, and, uh, but he had all his kids names like poorly tattooed mm. on his arm and he's like, yeah, I do it myself. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that people do that. People tattoo themselves. I've never tattooed myself. Luckily, I didn't have to practice on myself. Like I said, I had plenty of people to do that for, but that people do that. People just, you it's know. the longest it's ever taken you to finish a piece of art on someone? At one time, I, I'll, I've tattooed for as long as maybe about seven hours. Um, but you did like multiple days, like seven hours a day or seven hours a week for like. Seven like, hours in one day is the length of time and to finish over multiple days so I've tattooed back to back, uh, day, like one day and then the next day, you know, and that might've been maybe four hours one day, four hours the next day. Uh, but it takes years to finish really big stuff because you have to wait. There's a holding period for your tattoos to heal your skin to heal, uh, before you can, cause you're it's trauma, you're causing trauma to the body and you have to recuperate before you can do it all over again. Weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, Here's another trashy girl tattoo that you just know. <laughs> it's funny. There's a, there's a girl from church that had this. Oh no. Uh, and <laughs> I, 
would always we were gonna have friends that could like make fun of it okay and i ran into her like several years later and she was like i had it lasered off and i was like dang am i responsible mm. for that mm. <laughs> so like, but angel wings okay. that are like full length do you know what I'm like that is the one that i've mm. seen a few times mm. it's never a girl that looks classy <laughs> there there's an interesting trend of uh people who get religious tattoos who aren't very religious <laughs> or just you know don't follow you know the rules as you know as as proudly as you would think because they've got this cross or yeah these angel wings on them it's like full size like size of the back have you seen that oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah yeah it's all like i don't know where it's every time i've talked to the person every time i see it mm. and i can feel like they'll vibe enough to answer a question i just ask like when did you get that it's always like they were 18 years old mm. and but it just seems like it's so painful to have your back tattooed with angel wings uh, well people get their full backs tattooed at all types of stuff i mean uh it, it so there are trends that happen in eras and if you're young while a trend is happening you're like yeah you'll probably if you're the spontaneous type people have done that's you know tribal was a huge <laughs> we all know what that era was like and then uh there's been some other little genre eras but uh it really just depends on yeah i think if you are waiting into your later years despite it, the size of the content, you're probably going to make a better decision. You know? I know a guy, uh, know of, a, he's like my friend's friend and he got like the Ninja Turtles like tattooed on his arm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and he's like 30. So he's adult. What he wanted. Mm, yeah, you know, we're, yeah. we're like, uh, I don't drink. So I'm always the designated driver. Okay. Uh, and of course now I'm married with a kid on the way, but before in the office, when I had an office, it would be like, Hey, we're going out tonight. Can you mm -hmm. drive Nathan? I'm like, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're out and somebody is like, Oh, sick Ninja Turtles tattoo, man. Clearly making fun of them. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, thanks. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> hey, hey, you, hey, that's passion, I guess, you know? And I was like, doesn't see it at all. Well, and I, yeah, people ask me all the time, like, what's the weirdest thing or what's like, uh, you know what the craziest thing and i mean i have stories of interesting people uh but i you know if a tattoo like if something's not for me you know i never look at a thing because i have my own personal taste you know but I, if people are just into different stuff yeah but you also have to make a living it's like one of those things of like oh you want this not my thing but like i'll let you pay me money oh yeah i mean i, I yeah that's <laughs> what we, we call that uh, you make art or you make money you know so uh we all love to do both at the same time but it don't always work out that way yeah. you know but uh, uh there are some things i will turn down if it's let's say an 18 year old kid you know wants something on his face and has nothing else tattooed on them like what about getting sits nine tattooed 400 times i'm not gonna commit to that <laughs> you know I, I might do a few on a kid's arm or chest or something but yeah no, the necks and the, the faces and the only time i'll do that is if okay you've already clearly gone past the point of hiding any tattoo and if you're an adult like if you're an adult like you know so beyond mid-20s you Gucci know man comes to you and he's like hey I want an ice cream cone on my face again. I, I'm like, okay, how big you want it? I tattooed a Dallas star on the back of some dude's head. And, uh, but like, he was, does that hurt a lot to get a tattoo? In your I think it does. I don't have any on my head. There are parts on your body that are more or less sensitive. Is that good for your brain? It, 
I don't think rattles your brain as much as you would think it would. You know, yeah, there's obviously vibration, but it's it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. Yeah. So yeah. let's see. It's just if I ever did. I mean, my goal is I'd always put one on my wrist, but he'll say that's really painful. Your extremities, um, your, where your nerve endings are, are going to be. And wrist is a. It's small. So you would. It's unassuming. Wrists are pretty painful. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> That's a cool place to have one. All right. All right, so you're a Dallas native. Right. We were talking uh, before we started about how clicky it is and everything, and <laughs> right, you were right. like, I don't know, I'm just from here. It's just how it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. It, I guess, you know, it's, it's, I can see that, but it's not as glaring, I guess, to me. Yeah. Um, where did your art career kind of start? Uh, so my senior year of high school, I uh, – I could have graduated early in high school, but I wanted to run track and I wouldn't have able been, I wouldn't have been able to participate if I graduated early. So I just stayed in school and, uh, I was able to take electives cause I was done with everything. And, um, I took an art class. Did you do well in track by the way? I did cool. Yeah. I, uh, uh, so summer track, we made it to, to state. Um, I, made a weird decision to run cross country in the fall. And then I wanted to sprint in the spring. And so I didn't develop a lot of one either way. <laughs> so I was kind of, I'm honestly, I was kind of just in the middle of the pack. I'll be honest, but, uh, cause I would hate to like not graduate early so I could do a sport and then not dominate the sport. I mean, no, I, it, no, it was worth it to, yeah, to stay. Cause you know, there's that community, that camaraderie. And then just the, there's nothing like competing. I mean, you, if I wanted to just compete to run, yeah, no, it was a good time. See, uh, I bet sprinting, like sprinting's great because you get to see the end result almost right away. Right. Yeah. It's like cross country. You're two hours into that before you're seeing the end result. Right. Almost. Yeah. I guess if you're talking about the finish line, but, uh, you know, the, that middle piece, that part in between, you don't know what's happening when you're sp sprinting. I started with the 200 and I ended up with the 400, 400 is a little more obvious of like who's pulling ahead, if you can win or not And cross country, since it's so long, it's a more of an epic battle the whole time. And it's, it's a lot more fun in that regard, as opposed to, yeah, you just find out, you know, you know, what happened in a few seconds. It's experiences are completely different, but, uh, all right. So you're taking a lot to, sorry, I cut you off. I, uh, yeah. So I did that and, uh, I started with a, a regular art class and I, I excelled a good amount. And so I was put into an AP art class. Um, and I was able to start competing in state competitions. And that's when I started going to art museums. We started traveling to like cities like Houston and Austin to see, uh, you know, a lot of art that was outside of Dallas. So I grew up in the suburbs east of Dallas. I graduated from Rowlett High School. And uh, we have a pretty cool art program. It's not a magnet or anything like that. We just have a really good program. And um, from there, I got a scholarship from the Goss Michael Foundation. That's a foundation set up here. Um, uh, Kenny Goss and uh, Michael, I always forget their names, but he's, he was a famous singer who passed away. Uh, there are a couple, they have a foundation here and I got a scholar, a merit-based scholarship to, cool. to, uh, pursue art in college. And, uh, that's really where it started. I still thought I was going to go a completely different path, but, um, I started my tattoo apprenticeship about a year after I graduated high school. And that's where the 
professional side really kicked off when I started doing that. Yeah. And so you spend your time like tattooing people. Do you paint or do you just do murals? Like, I mean, I know that's painting, but do you do like art painting or I did that before the mural work. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I started tattooing and then I was introduced to oils and I started to show at, you know, some little pop-ups here and there. Uh, but yeah, no, I actually have participated in a lot of gallery shows, a lot of group shows. I'm actually getting ready to start, uh, or I'm preparing for a solo show I have coming up next year at a gallery here in Dallas. And, uh, yeah, no, I've definitely made some rounds in the fine art realm, which is something I'm still pursuing, uh, uh, getting to know a lot of the galleries, a lot of the curators. So I do make oil paintings on canvas. I've sold to private collections, uh, do commissions, things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. And so is that where you're spending Like, where's when you wake up in the morning, what are you doing in the morning? Like, like, what are you doing every day? Are you always producing art or every day? I'm always producing art. The majority, the bulk of it is tattooing. Okay. Because of the nature of what I tattoo. I don't do like the pick them and stick them. We don't have this so flash. That's kind of the old school thing of like going into a spot, seeing a design and being like, that's what I want. Uh, that's so I awful. customize yeah. I'd say probably about 80 to 90% of everything I do. Every now and then someone brings in something like, hey, I want this. But most of the time people are asking me to create. And so I have to draw four tattoos. Uh, so out of a week, I'm probably spending four to five days uh, tattooing for anywhere from three to six hours of tattooing. Anytime outside of that, I'm on either my iPad drafting designs uh, for murals or paintings or tattoos, or I'm producing actual paintings. Uh, and then the murals are a little bit more few and far between. So it's tattooing then painting and then muraling as far as frequency goes. Got it. Mm -hmm. What do you charge? Like, how, like, how do you charge for these things? Mm -hmm. Is it by project? Is it by hour? Uh, so tattooing is, Primarily by hour, especially for the complex stuff. Uh, I charge 150 an hour. Uh, and then if uh, something that can get done relatively quickly, then I'll charge by the piece, which is based on the size, the complexity, and then the placement on the body. That's just how you kind of find a, 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 an average for what something will cost. And then for paintings, that's something that's a little bit more... Um, uh, uh, subjective as far as how quick someone needs something by, you know, how intricate is it? Uh, if it's something that is from my own um, wheelhouse or something that is from a personal project that has its own set value. I've sold things that have its own set value from galleries, as opposed to someone asking me to paint a picture of their daughter or something like that. And then <laughs> murals are by square footage. Uh, so I'm anywhere from 10 to $25 per square foot, depending on complexity, surface, um, you know, who's asking to do it, you know, all those things. So they're all separate businesses, uh, but all kind of, you know, are honed around. Yeah, you're you know, an artist. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, make yeah. a living. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, it works out. And it's also just the beginning. Like you've only been doing this for... Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit more seasoned in the tattooing, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm still early in my career. How many years into it are you, though? Uh, eight. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and so when you, that's what always excites me most about like business and everything else. Like I can be really hard on myself on where yeah, we're at as companies, yeah, yeah. but then I realize like, Hey man, like I got a lot of time. Well, hopefully <laughs> I can hopefully. die tomorrow. You know, I mean, these Dallas interstates are insane. Hey, 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 but yeah, good luck out here. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah, man. I got to be alert. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. You'd slip up and check. The text. It's funny. I love uh, Gus's fried chicken. Okay. Okay. You've been there. Uh, I actually don't eat meat, so oh, okay. I actually, yeah. Mm. Well, <laughs> so be it. Uh, sorry to hear that. Sorry for your loss. No, okay. <laughs> it's, funny. it's all good, man. <laughs> I didn't know your life sucked. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm a huge meat eater. Um, yeah, it's all good. And uh, anyway, there's two Gus's Fried Chicken, one in Deep Ellum and one in Fort Worth. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep yeah. Ellum is always a nightmare. So I actually just drive to the Fort Worth one. Wow. And that's how I've figured out the uh, the long, the the twenty dollar tollway. That tollway, man. I'm sure I'd recognize it if you told me the name of it. But nah, yeah. I just take Interstate 30. It connects all the way through. So you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's all once you get out of the city, it's all good. Like once you get towards, uh, you take 30 to get towards Tetsarkana, right? Text our, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah so going, once you're like going, 20 yeah. minutes outside the city, then it's just two lanes and it's mm-hmm. just you and it's just like sure. everywhere else and it's great. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. second you're in the city, it's just like, what? Like, who's going to forget which lane they're going to have to be in and try to cut through not, like six lanes of traffic? It doesn't make sense. We don't have a very like grid, like a city like New York makes sense to me because it's like either going north, west, uh, uh, south or east, and it, it in Dallas, there's a lot of just curves and a lot of just uh, 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 on ramps to things, and it's yeah, it's really confusing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you you get used to it after a while if you do it enough, you know. So maybe I've been here since September. I don't think I'm getting any better. Oh yeah, no, you're gonna you're gonna need a little <laughs> bit longer than that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so. You have a life as an artist. Uh, what does your significant other do? She's a creative as well. Uh, I met her in the tattoo shop. I gave her a tattoo, and we started talking about uh, creating together. And uh, so she, her form of creativity uh, is in the form of like photography, but more so writing. She is a, uh, uh, a poet. She likes to develop stories, so she's a creative writer in the sense of, like, screenwriting, doing things like that. Um, and uh, that's how we connect. We collaborate a lot on a lot of different projects. Uh, she helps me make paintings, and then I, make, I help her make, uh, like, short films, things of that nature. Uh, so it's all very visual, but there are a few different distinct um, mediums that we work in. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's gotta be fun to have somebody that you can talk to that really understands yeah, what yeah. you're working on. <laughs> and it's not worth it's not like we're always talking shop or that's the only thing. Uh, but it is nice to be able to have someone speak that language, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. What do you do outside of like what do you do to besides art, do you have any other hobbies or things you do or things you're into? Uh, well, yeah, art is dominating my life at the moment <laughs> because I am doing so many different things. Uh, I mean, my other interests include I like to be very physical coming from like a sports background, very um, like a cardio driven type stuff. So do you play Frisbee? I, I don't play Frisbee. I would. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I like to do uh, more solo stuff like uh, like mountain off uh, off road mountain biking, things of that nature. We go camping a lot. So traveling and then camping tied into what we so like if you'll do. get into road biking that's something we do 
Ah, man, I don't know. It's not as exciting, you know what I'm saying? Getting out there on the... On I had a bad wreck, Mountain Vikings. So I'm a little scared of it now. Yeah, I understand. I understand. And I honestly... I need to be more cautious because I can't mess these up. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm just trying to find something to play frisbee with. That's why. Oh yeah, oh, nah, yeah. I don't frequent the frisbee field, but uh, my uh, my wife playing frisbee is like it's like maybe from eight feet away. And it's oh just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I uh, like I, said, I I never excelled in. I never played football, uh, but I love. You know, yeah, getting out there. You know what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, are there any Dallas adult sports leagues that you're a part of or you know of? Uh, well, so there is actually. It's funny you ask because I had, uh, just got connected with um, a sports center, a sports complex called Foro. It's in North Dallas, uh, and they have several fields and they host frisbee leagues, uh, soccer, football, flag football leagues. Um, and yeah, and I'm sure they have adult leagues there to do stuff like that. I'm working with them to uh, work on a mural, so on the, I'm on I'm there for the, on the art tip. But uh, that's one that I know. Uh, uh, F O R O Sports Complex. I mean, my family is from Kansas. The only reason why we're here is because my dad had a job here. There's a lot of opportunity. And yeah, people, what do your parents do? Uh, my mom's an educator. She's a teacher, public school teacher. And then my dad has been an IT guy for most of his career. He's worked for a company called Nielsen Media Research. Yep. And then he worked for AT&T for a long time. Uh, now he's retired. Um, and uh, so my mom accredits my creativity coming from her because uh, she sings and things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, they're, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, the, the, a typical American family. You know, <laughs> I've been blessed to have, yeah, both my yeah. parents the whole time. You know so if you skip forward 10, 15 years, what's kind of the end goal? Like, do you have a price range? All right. I want to be charging a hundred dollars a square foot for murals. I want to be charging uh, minimum 10 grand for a painting. I want to be in these galleries. I want to yeah. like, like, do you kind of set out things like that of like, here's where I want to be in 10 years? Uh, yeah, I definitely have to have goals to strive for. Um, I do a short midterm and then my long-term goals are i've decided to be a bit more uh ambiguous i have more general goals for long term because what are those general goals uh, i want to be able to exhibit uh internationally i want to be able to travel to work internationally like do murals in uh places like spain or you know do a residency in africa or something like that um, but I only learned about artist residencies within the past five years. And before my first one, I had no idea that it even existed. So I went to France for the first time on a whim because I saw something on Instagram. I was like, oh, you can live here and make artwork. And that's the thing people do. And I did it. And it was, it, I thought it was fake and then it was real. And so that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't even, so I don't want to necessarily put a cap or a ceiling on what is the grand scheme. Um, I definitely want to strive for things that are within my reach so that I can kind of open up treacheries. Uh, so I'm like in a, um, a river and then I'll be able to access, you know, different things as I keep going, you know what I mean? Um, so that's kind of what I'm working with right now, doing what I'm doing now, being able to travel, being able to work uh, internationally. And I know that once I'm able to um, have access to those types of stakeholders, buildings that are, you know, do high rises. Once I have access to, um, 
that community of people that the money is going to match, you know, my, my ability and my, my, uh, my track record. So that I'm more focused on the work, you know, being able to uh, diversify, continue to diversify what it is that I do. So my brand is uh, JD Moore portfolios. My focus is the portfolios side of things. I want to be as diverse as I can. I uh, am focusing on visual. So I do need to make sure I stay focused on a craft, uh, but to be able to have a diverse range of things I do. So I'm tattooing, uh, making paintings and murals. That's my portfolio. If you could pick one of those things forever, which one would it be? Forever. Uh, I would say painting would be the dream because I can see myself doing that in my old age. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to tattoo full time, you know, when I'm 60 plus, you know, have some <laughs> kids. It'd be nice to continue to do it. Uh, but then in muraling, that's just going to be a too hard on the body. Uh, so painting is something I can do. Got it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when you look at, I've seen your murals, I haven't seen your paintings. Mm. Um, so excuse me for my, my ignorance, but it's all good. what size do you prefer? Do you like really big paintings or really small ones or? Large is the preference. It pros and cons to both. Uh, but when you have more room, you can fit more detail. So it's actually easier to make things look smoother or fit more details into more space. Uh, and then it's just the presence is always uh, so much more impressive to walk up on something larger than life and, or something life-sized. So I prefer, that's why murals are my, uh, uh, my most recent ambition because the size is almost built in to yeah. mural work or public <laughs> art, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, man, it's this fun journey. When you do a painting, do you order in a canvas and a frame or do you make that stuff yourself or? That's a good question. Uh, and right now I'm starting, I'm building everything. I mean, I don't weave the canvas or I don't cut down the wood, uh, but I buy a roll of fabric and I buy stock pieces of lumber and I'll cut the, the wood down and really practice my craftsmanship on good structure stretch my canvas and then make my painting like that. Got it. Yeah. I, um, I need a picture frame. I have a, like a $20 print. I need to hang up in our baby room. <laughs> okay. So, so <laughs> canvas frames is one art frames that go on the outside. Yeah, I was curious that's you do with that's that. different. No, yeah, I don't do that. Cause that's a whole other ball game. And I, uh, I probably won't get into that, uh, soon, the future, you know, may hold that op as an opportunity, but yeah, right now that's something different. I don't do. Yeah. That's pretty cool that you get to make your own. Yeah, man. Cause I, then you make it to the exact size you want. And that's the thing. Yeah. I want to have full control. I want to learn how to be as in control and, and just be as knowledgeable about what it is I'm doing. If I'm constantly buying stuff from Michael's or Hobby Lobby, then, uh, I can't teach people about preservation of a canvas, you know, what it means to restretch, how to disassemble it, you know, do all those types of things. Have you, uh, where people put like a clear coating over it and then they just like have a flame on it to, uh, to get out the bubbles and it's like a glass effect. Have you ever done anything like that? I've never done anything. I, I know what you're talking about. Um, but, uh, yeah, that I've seen that more done more so in like street art. Uh, it's like a performance, uh, type of deal. Um, and I don't know anyone personally who practices that. I know what you're talking about, but, uh, yeah, I'm honestly more of a traditional, like traditional, like my inspirations for my paintings 
are Italian uh, 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 in nature. And I went there for my second residency to study like the old masters. And then I learned how to fresco paint. And so I'm very much a purist, maybe if that's the definition you give it. But I, I love uh, just straight up, you know, painting, varnish, um, you know, using just uh, opaque uh, you know, those real opaque oils, you know, yeah, that's what I'm into. That's so cool, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot out there. You know. I can't even draw a stick figure <laughs> and my oh, yeah. mom's a calligraphy artist and a oh, painter. Wow. And so it's a real night. Like I feel so bad that none of her kids can, can do anything. I mean, <laughs> and I always tell people, I think anyone can do it. My skill isn't the fact that I can make a picture. It is though having the patience to learn and to practice and even having the interest to do that. That's yeah. my talent. I have a lot of patience and that's where the skill comes in, honestly. So it's, it's a method to the mat. I can teach. I feel like I can teach anyone who's who wants to learn. Uh, Cause it's not magic. Like it's not, I mean, there are things well, that, that city council man, it is or whatever. Well, and, and there are people <laughs> who, yeah, they, when you don't understand something, it, it seems like, a person has an advantage and sometimes people do, like athletes, you know, some people are just born away yeah. know, to do and have an advantage. But for the most part, yeah, people, uh, anyone can do it, you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. I think you have something special and you know that I, I'm, uh, coming to terms that I am like, uh, a, a special individual. Like I have a special perspective and uh, a gift. So, uh, that's what I'm working on sharing and, and public art does that. And, uh, so, you know, you're but, so humble on how you say that <laughs> I, uh, you know, you know, I, Kanye West said it, he'd be like, I am the greatest. <laughs> yeah. You, and, but you know what? Uh, I was raised that way. I was raised, I was, so this is the Bible belt and I was, that's, you know, my family definitely was on that heavy is, you know, uh, uh committed to like teaching that, uh, but honestly, it, there is a little bit of uh, like trauma dipped into that. I uh, like self-worth is something that I struggle with. So it, it, sometimes it's disguised as humility. Uh, <laughs> but uh, man, but like, like we were saying uh, a little bit earlier, uh, a little bit ago uh, that, yeah, people have this uh, feeling of like, man, like, no, I can't, you know, do it or I've been shown that I shouldn't. And there, and it affects the mentality. Like it really does. And you see, when you see it materialize, like this experience that I'm going through with Panther Island, it's reinforcing a negative, um, outlook on like myself and people who look like me, despite it, people not agreeing. It's like, Oh, don't listen to this one guy. It's not true. The reality is presenting itself. Like, Hey, if you, uh, want to have pride in yourself, you gonna have to fight for it. You see what I'm saying? You gonna have to, no one else I know that does murals of people who aren't black. They don't have to, um, have meetings with city council members to have their, you know, not to get it approved. I'm talking about just to justify it, like, or to just all the things that I've had to go through with this mural. It's just a different reality. You know what I'm saying? So, but, uh, yeah. And it, Again, it's all about, it's a different reality because of one person. And that's all it took. He was, yeah, he's in the minority. That's uh, very uh, uh, optimistic. He was in the, it got approved by like eight people. 
he was the one person who had an issue with it. But because he was the one person, the 1% in that position of power, that's all it took. Yeah. You know, but again, it's like, that is the correct way to look at it. It's like, oh, here's like a fucking loser. <laughs> you know I mean, like I mean, yeah. truthfully, cause it's like, the truth is the vast majority of people don't care. The vast majority of people love it. The vast majority, but it's like, it's, I mean, same thing. It's like, it's easy for me to, and for anybody to pay attention to the one person that's like, you suck at recording podcasts. You suck at interviewing people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy for me to like sit there and go, oh yeah, I do. You know, like. Um, I think that's just natural, like human nature. It is. Yeah. Negativity. I, I, I think about it just cause I'm so visual, like a motorcycle, you know, like a speed wobble. So like, um, when negativity, it, it, uh, presents itself. Disaster happens, you know, the further out of sync you get and more, um, the further you get out of sync, if positivity was you just smoothened. Yep. It's just, it's just more, you can't not look at it. You can't avoid. Now think about it this way. How do you fit the speed wobble? You Okay. I've never had this happen. I'm a guest. You lean into. You slow down. Okay. Okay. Like, cause when you slow down, everything strains up again. Mm. And so I think there's, if we're using the speed wobble example, we're saying, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going awesome. The negativity hits and mm-hmm. it puts me off guard. Mm-hmm. Just slow down a little bit. <laughs> you yeah. know, like just regain your bearings sure. and go right back at and, it. And yeah, no, that's good. Interesting. You said that. Cause that's where I'm at now. Uh, you asked if I finished the mural, I'm taking my time. I'm not rushing back into be getting out there and doing something that is gonna, yeah. You know, continue the damage or continue the, the chaos, you know, that's out there. Uh, so no, that's good advice to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Again, it's not slow down the whole time. It's just as a short, like regain your mm-hmm. slow down and then get back after it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I, I struggle with like I'm a devout Christian, and mm. uh, so it's like if you look at Jesus, like J- Jesus emptied himself, mm. and so the whole message of the Bible is like uh, is that you're nothing and to put to wear your cross daily, and that like you know like your life. It exists to sacrifice you know it's like mm. it's just very counterculture sure and so it's this weird i'm always struggling with like all right how do i love what i do be the best at what i do mm. be confident in what i do share that i'm confident in what i do and at the same time and at the same time say i'm all of this because of my creator mm-hmm. and not just because i think i'm awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah. And it is true that the, depending on the religious family you grew up in or mm-hmm. type of religion you grew up in, it's like that people just remain in that like, oh, I'm nothing. Mm. And it's like, to me, the Bible seats to me is like, man, you are nothing. And that's why I died on a cross for you so you can become something. Mm. Um, mm. And so, I don't know. These childhood narratives control everything, though. And that's what's very interesting. I mean, the things that... Uh, happened to me as a kid, I still have flashbacks to as an adult walking into a meeting and that's crazy. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's part of human nature. Uh, trauma, uh, presents itself that way. And, uh, a lot of people talk about generational trauma, having that same effect, something happening to your parents or your grandparents and how that has genetically caused you to 
be you know more apprehensive in a certain situation have a flight or flight. yeah i've heard a lot about that i haven't done any research on it okay you should there there actually are some um uh, peer-reviewed studies on how trauma from a parent can affect the child and in the way that the child will respond to a stimuli being the exact same way that the parent did but having never been introduced to that original <laughs> so crazy yeah man it's, it's some stuff out yeah here. because you know i always said like my biggest advantage was that i was dumb like that's mm. my biggest life advantage okay uh because being dumb allowed me to not look at data and facts so if everything in front of me told me i was going to be a loser i wasn't smart enough to figure that out so i just kept going so if everything told me that like there's a hundred percent chance that whatever business I start fails, mm. I was just like, whatever, here I go. Mm. And so like that, <laughs> like, like being dumb just helped me like, and then like next thing you know, it's like, oh, my, my thousands of hours of work has mm. paid off into something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so, and yeah. that's how I look at it. So my dad did anything possible to make sure I wasn't an entrepreneur. Oh, really? Um, I wouldn't say anything possible, but he's very, and it's because, uh, my grandfather believed in working the same job for 40 years. Mm -hmm. My dad believed yeah. in working in a corporate company, but, right. but moving all the time to work your way up the corporate ladder. Sure. And so that was for my grandfather, that was even crazy. Wow. And so then you take the next step and yeah. I say, I'm going to work for, I'm just going to start my own thing. It's right. like, it's three degrees of craziness. And wow. so it's like my dad started his own thing, got screwed over by a pastor, which made it even worse. Wow. And because of that, my dad was terrified of me starting a business because of the hurt and pain and everything sure. that it was for him. And so he did his best to just kind of shoot down anything I ever wanted to do. Yeah. And that just became my motivation. Okay. Um, and so to where it's like, I don't like when people encourage me. Yeah. Uh, I feel weird about that too. Sometimes <laughs> it's I, like, okay, I need people not to believe in me. Okay. Sure. Um, sure. I need, and like, so that's part of like this guy on LinkedIn that I was talking about, mm. um, like, my next move is to post our conversation publicly mm. because I need him to hate me. Like right now he dislikes me a little bit. I need him to like hate me. Wow. Okay. okay. That's what I need. Yeah. 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 No, um, hey. But that is probably generational <laughs> in the sense of that. Like um, I, and I used whatever generational that thing was mm -hmm. to empower me mm. and you can use it the other way around too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, Two types of people, you know, some people that uh, need the coach to yell at them and some who buckle under, you know, need them to pat them on the back. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good that you found what works for you because that's not <laughs> as easy, uh, you know, for everybody, you know. Yeah. And I, again, I think my advice for people on finding what works for them mm -hmm. is to stop listening to other people, like to actually find out who you are. Like a lot of people spend their whole life trying to to see like, oh, right, who does my mom think I am? Who does my dad think mm -hmm. I am? Who do my coworkers think sure, I am? Sure. It's like actually just find out who you are. Sure. Uh, so my, that's kind of my story. Is I was just really focused on like, like, no part of me cared about making my parents proud or like you know it's just like yeah. I just want to do my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had a lot of self belief, which allowed me to be really good at like not caring what people thought. <laughs> um, but I mean that I think that's what it comes down to is just like accepting like cool like uh, I live on this like that's why it wasn't a big deal for me not to go to college like mm. one my parents like never really set me up to go to college mm. but two it was just like I'm just gonna like I'm either gonna I'm gonna win you know like nobody decides if I win or not it's at myself mm. that's just, uh, just yeah. having that mindset.
Yeah, yeah. No, that's a powerful mindset for sure. I think that, uh, yeah, you definitely, you know, have some predisposed advantages of being able to get in that lane of thought because there's so many other, yeah, stumbling blocks, you know, people can come up on, you know, trying to live for their parents and trying to impress them, you know, this is a real big one, I know. Yeah, uh, I get real worried about my son. Mm, mm. It's like he looks at his dad who thinks he's going to be president. Like That's a lot to, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, a lot yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, like, that's pretty crazy. Right. So uh, it's interesting. And I don't, I think that's why it's like actually talking with your kids is mm. like maybe a big deal. Like my parents just didn't really have like conversations. <laughs> oh, see, and that's, a, that's another conversation right there. Uh, yeah, because luckily my parents support this venture they have preferences and they would have liked things just like you're talking about this the things they're familiar with like your dad and your grandfather and that made so much sense like where they were at is like what was safe like do this you know we did it we made it okay you should do it uh luckily though my parents were supportive you know in this whole art venture entrepreneurial self-employed type of type route because yeah man that, that that makes all the difference and like i said talking to your kid is you know like uh um it's uh it's invaluable you know yeah and the power of knowing where you're trying to go mm -hmm. like ultimately that is the end game that's what separates people that make it and people that don't yeah it's people that make it know where they want to go you need vision for sure you, you definitely need vision you need ambition a lot of that is no not not being aimless not being uh so day to day, just, you know, you de definitely want to, I'm, I'm different from my significant other in the sense that I'm constantly in the future. Like I'm always a project ahead of what I'm working on now, or I'm months ahead. And, you know, she values a lot of, uh, living in the moment, be being, you know, uh, present and, you know, I see the value of both, but, uh, uh, I think, being completely, I definitely, you know, agree that without vision and without, you know, having those few steps ahead, at least charted out. Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get nowhere. So. <laughs> yeah. And for some people that's, they're okay with that. They're okay mm. with things being how they are and that's how they always have been always will be. And like, mm. and I think that's the real difference between like, uh, maybe liberals and conservatives. Mm. Is that like um, when a liberal sees something wrong, they like work really hard at changing that. Mm. When a conservative sees something wrong, they're like, well, that's their thing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, that I that the thought isn't fully thought out yet, mm -hmm. um, but I, I do see a little of that because like for me, it was more the conservative end of things. I just like, I very individual individualism you know it's just like yeah do your own thing yeah so if somebody like when i see something uh crazy i'm just like oh somebody doing something crazy like i don't tie a political thought to it i don't tie it i'm like oh there's just somebody that did something crazy that's interesting yeah i, I do um, see that you know when that i think i hear the word lone wolf the most from a conservative you know uh, <laughs> perspective as opposed to like hey like there's policy that needs to change on you know talking about guns and things like that of course but uh uh, I never really made that connection before. I'm going to start looking at it, things, you know, like that. That's yeah. Interesting. Whereas like, I think liberals just overall are, are more communive, 
community base. And I'm like, I love community, but you know, in the sense of that, like when they see something, they like want to force their opinions down. Like they want to force that. Like if they say like, okay, uh, McDonald's is bad. They then make it their goal to like, make sure nobody eats McDonald's. Okay. Well, actually <laughs> I have a, a counter to that. Cause actually just what, what happened in here in Texas with, um, the ruling not to teach critical race theory is like, Hey, we want to control. That seems like kind of the, uh, the liberal, you know, given your definition of like, uh, hey, it's not just this one school or this one teacher. It's we need to change the whole thing. Let's uh, change the whole narrative to fit our comfort level. You see what I'm saying? So I think both. I think it's a really a matter of I don't know what uh, what it is you value. Like if you don't value something, you're not going to worry about it. But if you care about something, you're going to no, you're going to change it and make sure everyone else follows suit. If you have the power to do so, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but that, that's getting political. So when I say like liberal or conservative, I don't mean politics. Oh, so what you talking about? Just talking like, about? At, like people, there's like, you can be more like, I can give you a liberal scoop of ice cream or I can give you a conservative scoop, of, like just the general, what conservative and liberal means. Okay. Or like, do you know what I'm saying? Like a, like a, like more of a mindset. Uh, is that what you mean? Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't mean political. Okay. So it's not saying like, and I guess politics can get tied into it because in our day and age, we tie politics to everything. But like, there seems to be that people that are more conservative minded. Okay. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, I only hear those terms when it's talking about yeah. politics. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe there's another word. What do you mean? Like, uh, like a, the, as those two polars, you know, if it's not liberal conservative, what do you mean? Maybe what, um, well, you could just say like community based and lone wolf based. Okay, you okay. know, as so, you were as you were using as an example. Sure, sure, interesting. interesting um, and yeah. you could say that maybe more lone wolf people tend to be more conservative, and you could mm -hmm. say the more community based people tend to be more liberal. You could make those. You could tie those yeah, together. I think, yeah. But right. I'm only talking about like the actual the individualism as like it's interesting how people that are more lone wolf just kind of stay in their lane no matter what, uh -huh. and people that are more. Uh, uh, group mentality are more like trying to just, they, they always want to do things. They feel a need to insert themselves into things. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'm assuming you are, um, uh, 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 well, let me ask, do you think that one is better than the other? No, oh, no. Okay, okay. I mean, it takes all types of people for this world to work. And I okay. really understand mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. um, where I get in trouble. And I would say that a lot of, uh, conservatives in general get in trouble, is that like we pretty much just don't care about anything other than mm. like, and then finally something comes along, like things just get things get crazier and crazier, and mm. then we're like, all right, this is too far, and we step in. Okay. And okay. then everybody goes, why don't you step in earlier? Sure, and it's like, sure. well, I didn't really care. You just gotta force me here. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so you could do that with, uh, uh, you could do that with like sets, like like for thousands of years, except for you look at countries that have fallen it's all when they start to get obsessed with gender hmm. uh and sets like so if you look at like the romans or you look hmm. at like like previous generations like when they start to become obsessed with with that kind of thing interesting okay. um they start to fail every time so that's what's so scary about america becoming obsessed with pronouns and things like that wow. um and this is not a again a democrat or a liberal this is just like a factual you can look sure, it up sure. like when they become mm -hmm. obsessed with and so when my neighbor who's a guy says you know you call me she and her. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, whatever. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, just do my thing. Mm -hmm. 
And then five years later, um, he, uh, he or she, I guess she, you know, wants like XYZ, 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 like it just keeps going. And eventually I step in like, all right, there's a limit to this. I'm shutting this down. Right. Mm, okay. Okay. And so that's like an example of, I think we're, uh, like it takes all, like, I think people being creative, like, I think it takes both sides to work together. Okay. And I think that what the media does is they pit both sides against each other. Mm, and they pretend like whoa. they're, they can't work together and that there's nothing that like nothing's the same. And they like, they promote all of these things in between them. Yeah. And then yeah. both sides refuse to compromise on things. Mm. And so like, you'll see, um, like we can go like BLM for example, because that's a great example of like what is true versus what is like the media narrative. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which you, um, you get? And so if if we look at this, we say, okay, um, we have George Floyd, and then we have that we've decided that we're going to make like everything about George Floyd. Okay. And so, uh, if you were to pick Breonna Taylor, mm. all about it. <laughs> okay. Right. And it's like so, but the typical like lone wolf kind of mindset was this like. Uh, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and that cop sucked, right? Just like, whatever, like, like that guy was talking about Chauvin. Yeah, okay, uh, okay. yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like move on, right? And so that's like one side of it, and one side is like defund all police, or you know, like it's there's like these two, and so the media saw was like, okay, here's a perfect opportunity for us just to throw fire on this, mm -hmm. um, and 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 all that does. Is just make people on both sides think that they're opposite worlds apart. Yeah, that is the unfortunate uh, symptom of media and the power it wields, you know, uh, uh, over a population. You know, we consume, you know, you say you didn't really consume TV. That's, you know, you're definitely a minority, <laughs> yeah. you know. But yeah, but that is, that's an unfortunate symptom. I think that it, it unfortunately reflects... Yeah, the two extremes of, you know, uh, ideologies. Um, but to actually discuss the uh, uh, um, the differences or, or to debate, you know, two different viewpoints. And I, I both think, sides being okay with that they could be wrong. That is... And yeah. both sides being okay with, uh, we, we disagree on this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like that is, like that is really where things get so like... The second you tell me that I'm not allowed to disagree with you, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, that's what's so, like, it, it's, th that's like lone verse for a group. Like, group feels the need mm. to say, like, you must agree with me. Mm -hmm. And solo, and keep in mind, like, group mentality can be on, can be conservative people, right? But, like, mm. wolf mentality just is like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you mention facts, though, I think that's where people get hung up on, like, it can't be wrong if it's a fact, you know what I mean? So how do you feel about, you know, when there's this implement, implementation yeah. of this is a fact, how does a person agree to disagree in that? You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's understanding that there is going to be facts of the case mm -hmm. and that there is a court of law and there's going to be then like facts of public opinion mm. And that does it could have nothing to do with evidence, right? So you're talking about provable, yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 like things in like things that you can add up. And, and, and okay, so a good example is you could say, um, like life is unfair, like to to women, mm -hmm. 
And you could point out all these data that, that points to that, right? Okay. okay. And then I could go in here and just go, uh, 95% of people in jail, men, 95% of people on 98% of people on death row, men, um, 98, <laughs> blah, 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 men. Here's all these, you know? And so it's like, oh, it just got a little bit like, so both sides can be right is what you'll find out. Yeah, a lot yeah. of it. So you can say oh, like, yeah. oh, well, this women are, you know, disadvantaged in this culture. Mm -hmm. And then you prove out all these things that men are disadvantaged mm -hmm. to of like uh rate of murder, like, like what percentage of crimes are committed by men most and mm -hmm. most, you know, and so it's like, uh, what percentage of people end up in jail, men, what, what percentage of like, and so, uh, uh, lose court cases to get their kids, men. And like, you could do all these mm. and it's like, okay, cool. And so then you kind of just realize like, just everything's kind of like an ebb and flow. Yeah. Yeah. I often say, yeah, there two things can be true at the same time, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so this is, uh, where the media says, okay, we're going to get people to believe that only their side is right. And only their side is right. And it's yeah. going to create a war. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that, if you yeah. look at, if you look at what happened with, um, uh, George Floyd, that's what happened because essentially from the, I'll get the conservative viewpoint to it. Uh -huh, okay. <laughs> Cursive viewpoint. And this varies great. You know, I'm not speaking for all conservatives, um, in the same way that like, I won't, I'll get the lone wolf maybe viewpoint. I don't know. Uh -huh. But from my perspective, when it first happened, I was like, all right, let's wait to see everything else that comes out. Uh, let's before uh, there's this one video, this doesn't look good. This looks wrong. Um, let's wait on other evidence and other things. Mm. Um, because there is a system and a, and a process, right? Like, uh, we should be looking at, okay, where are the other tapes? Mm. Um, was there any other drugs in a system? Were there, you know, we should be looking at just every bit of evidence we can. Mm. And so the other side says, what do you mean? You see with your, like this cop clearly killed this, this, this innocent black man, you're out of your mind. You hate black people. Mm. You deserve to die. Right. And so I didn't say that they were wrong. Uh -huh. I just said, I want to see more evidence. I just okay. want to make sure I, before I open my mouth, so my foot doesn't end up in my mouth. Right, right, I'm right. just like well-rounded about it. Right, right, right. And so what do we do? We right in the middle. People say, okay, cool. This is a perfect place. We can throw fire at each other. Well, yeah, clearly, because yeah, that was what was happening. Uh, and just so I'm, you're saying the media doing that throwing fire is why he died. Is that what you mean by what happened to George Floyd no, 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 no. or the fallout? After? I'm saying the fallout. Yeah, oh, OK, saying, OK. Nothing okay, to do yeah. with like nothing to do with his death. But okay. to say like the, the fallout of riots happening. Sure. OK, OK. And sides being pitted against each other was purely due to the media. Yeah, they egged it on for sure. But if you were to yeah. go further than that, it really has to do with one side is very lone wolf. One side is very communal. Mm -hmm. And the communal side says, we have to stand up for our community. Mm -hmm. The wolf side says, no, we don't. <laughs> and that's the ultimate point of That's a of disagreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I would say that uh, the philosophy of things being isolated. I, I don't know if I get behind that all the time, whenever it is presented, you know, that way, I wouldn't say I'm also a person that says everyone has to think the way I think, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, um, yeah, that is the point right there because, um, if there is things happening that are similar in these pockets, that might be a result of it not being, Oh, it's just, you know, uh, isolated lone wolf. It might be a result of a community 
type of teaching. Like, so I was in um, an art class in uh, at a community college in Mesquite, and they were hosting a police, I don't know, seminar. I pulled into the to the uh, to the parking lot. And I saw police jurisdictions from cities I hadn't even heard of. Before. There were at least 50. And they were holding something in the theater. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. This is right after uh, Ferguson, so Mike Brown, you know. So yep. it was already getting a little, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and so I was like, all I wanted to do, and so so I, it was in, at my school. The theater was right next door. The door was open. I walk in, and I sit down, and I'm just listening. I'm just li- sitting there listening. I get a tap on my shoulder. I say, come here. He say, are you a police officer? I said, no. I said, what are you doing here? I was like, I just want to learn. I said, I'm here to listen. He's like, no, you can't be here. So my experience of, one, they were isolating a civilian. And more than likely, it's because I looked the way I look. You know, that's just my experience. It, that part is, I do look the way I look, and I did experience this thing. Let's, say, let's not say that's the only reason, but that is what happened. And um, I talked to the lead guy, and I, can, I can't remember his name anymore, but he's a famous person that does this. He tours and teaches. His attitude was totally different from what people here were communicating to me, which is, this is our community. Like, you can't know what we know. And we're teaching things that I, you, may result in, look, if X, Y, and Z happens, sit on his neck. You see what I'm saying? And then that'll start happening in these random jurisdictions that'll pop up. And it'll seem, oh, that was just an isolate. Because a little scenario will be a little different here and there. But um, uh, um, that's to give, a, to give another perspective on if things are isolated or not. I, I don't know if that's always, you know, a way to go about it in, in a conservative way of thinking. You see what I'm saying? Because... Uh, yeah, I was very, I was made very aware that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because I, the, it's the same thing. Is both things can be right? Mm-hmm. Like at the same things that like when a community gets wrong around the wrong thing, bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. And when a community, when nothing happens and something's bad happening, bad things happen. Right? Like, um, and so it's just always like life is a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Two competing ends and people trying to find the middle. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, there's some people who are committed to those other <laughs> sides, though. Yeah, yeah, but for the most yeah. part, yeah, we're in the middle. So, mm-hmm. with life being an economy, and again, that means that there's two competing ends. That means there's got to be extremists on each side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then people in the middle. And so, I just personally feel that the best way to actually know something is stuff like this. Oh, big Long time. form. Yeah. Face-to-face, uh-huh. hearing other people's perspectives, mm-hmm. having a conversation, being open to being wrong, mm-hmm. being open to being right, whatever mm-hmm. the case is. And uh, what I find fun <laughs> is taking a clip out of this, posting it out of context, making mm-hmm. a bunch of people mad, and being like, well, you did listen to the whole podcast, right, knowing they haven't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, can you and say that that's what media... No, and I'm saying, okay, okay. And I'm saying that's what the media does. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, man, I mean, does that help or does that hurt? You know, It hurts, and that's what we're dealing with, though. Mm-hmm. You think that's just like our culture right now, just how that's just how it's got to be? In a, yeah, we're in a TikTok age. People mm-hmm. don't want to spend longer than like 60 seconds on something. 
Yeah. And want yeah, everything to be yeah. a simple answer. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. Like my big thing with, uh, I want to say this very carefully and so this doesn't get cut and I don't get shot up immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like my big thing with like the reason, uh, whatever the cop's name was that got convicted uh, and George Floyd, what's his name? Um, Derek Chauvin? Yeah. Okay. Like the reason that's like such a disgrace to our country, him getting convicted is not because what he did wasn't wrong or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's because they brought him up against charges that were impossible. Okay. So like one of the charges that he was like put up for was second degree murder. Okay. And so second degree murder legally, you have to have an intent to commit a felony. Okay. Which would mean that he showed up to the gas station to rob it. <laughs> And then cared shot the amount the of time though the the amount of time that it takes to make an intentful decision I think that can be real short though see what I'm saying so it's not like you drew you woke up in the morning it can happen the but cle- intent to commit a felony he didn't show up there trying to commit a felony was the felony murder though is that what the you know yeah so um murder would be second degree murder so the second degree that's what it's in t- intent to commit a felony. Does that make sense? Because like first degree murder is like you just go murder somebody. Also, oh, the felony, the second degree has to be separate from murder. Yeah, you're saying. And so it was like there were charges that were brought up against him that legally don't fit the book of like what it is. So my thing is, I have no charges being brought against him. And then you have like the jurors, for example, they were all local, and they released the name of every juror. <laughs> Jurors shouldn't be local. So in a case that high profile where if it goes the other way, you know, there's going to be riots. Mm -hmm. It's pretty dangerous to have a local group that could be one could be influenced by local politics. But if you release the name of every juror, which then they renew, people took those names and released the addresses of every Mm -hmm. juror. I didn't know they released. I know that they went through a long process of finding jurors because of that. that. Yeah. (laughs) But I didn't know they that's they released the name of every juror. And so, essentially, you can say it's a fair case, uh-huh. but no matter what your beliefs are, there's no way. On, like, if I, if, <laughs> if it was my own flesh and blood, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt he was not guilty, mm. I would totally vote guilty because my name's out there, my address is out there. And I know that, okay, the same group that burned down cities over this is going to burn down my house if I vote another way. Okay. And so... I can say this and just clearly state that like, Hey, I'm not saying the conviction was wrong. I'm not saying anything other than this. I'm just saying that like, Hey, I believe the jurors were intimidated into making their decision. They did that before or after the before. Con- yeah. So before really? the jurors names were released before the conviction. They- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you see that and you're like, so the problem is, it's like when, the, when he gets out of prison in a year because of a mistrial and everybody goes crazy, it's like, guys, this is because it was set up this way from day one. Interesting. And so all of that is, it's not, you hear my voice and you know what I'm saying is, I'm not saying anything other than, uh, I think these people were intimidated because they felt scared that their houses would be burned down if they mm. voted the other way. Mm. I mean, yeah. But if, what the media does, the media goes, Nathan Ruff says George Floyd conviction was wrong. Mm. <laughs> mm. Like, right. And that's what everybody goes off of. And mm. then our TikTok generation takes this 20 second clip of me explaining this and puts it all over and there there goes somebody's publicity uh interesting and so well and then i think to have evidence of like to combat that should you uh uh, uh 
you know, have to, do you feel like it's your responsibility to clarify that, uh, you know, you don't feel that George Floyd, um, or, or Derek Chauvin rather shouldn't have been, uh, um, you know, found guilty in general, or do you think it's specifically? So the- I think that's a different conversation. Okay. You know, and that's the thing of like, we have a real problem with the social media age mm-hmm. and everybody wanting a black and white answer and mm-hmm. wanting in 20 seconds. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and so my thing to highlight is like for every bit of information we post, mm-hmm. we should have sources to, and we should be open to being wrong. Like, mm-hmm. like if I could promote one thing, it'd promote like, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay that you promoted, like you believe something that wasn't true. It's okay that like, and it, you know, like, um, it's also okay that you promote something that was true, right? <laughs> but it's like, mm-hmm. and that is what's really missing right now. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I love sitting with people like you because you're like a really cool guy and you're sitting here and like, oh, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that's just the nature <laughs> of, uh, I think artists in general, you know, are very inquisitive. So, you know, everyone has their own personality, of course. But uh, no, that's, I like to learn and I like to, you know, a lot of my work is based on topics like this and discussions like this. Uh, I had an open forum uh, at a gallery one time uh, talking about the uh, the conception of the um, the uh, construct of race, and that you know is uncomfortable for people to talk about. Uh, but now I'm here to yeah to discuss it and to learn. Uh, I think that there is a fine line though between fighting for what you really believe is right. And then conceding, you know, when, you know what I'm saying? Cause you know, yeah, you really, even if you aren't able to prove something that you might just be unprepared or you might not be as uh, witty or, you know, there's other little factors in, yeah. there, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, uh, but no, that conversation in general is, is always, in conversation, not like arguments, you know what I mean? That's the way, you know, so. Yeah, and it really takes, like, a good town hall has people on both sides. Like, a good event has people that, like, drastically disagree with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Because then there's, like, there can actually, especially if they're educated, it's like, okay, cool, we can go something here. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just realized, like, the more smart people I'm around, the more I realize that nothing's black and white, Mm -hmm. and there's another side to almost everything. Yeah, man, it's complex out here. It's 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 not. Yes, answers aren't simple. You know, the world isn't simple, and uh, it's frustrating that it isn't. Because you know, I think our nature is to go in the path of least resistance. But iron sharpens iron. You know what I mean. And so I think that's where you, as an artist, has a, just an enormous opportunity. Mm. Yeah, just to say like I'm going to make art that is not with the narrative mm-hmm. like fine like you know like i think there's so much room for people to say like hey the narrative is this way mm-hmm. and after doing research i believe that the narrative's wrong <laughs> and i'm producing this right yeah basically <laughs> yeah yeah but it's not easy but uh that is i think what propels culture forward is artists challenging and uh yeah like you know, uh you know if somebody saw like all the black people on your mural mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And they're like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Like, well, the next question is like, what makes you uncomfortable about right. seeing people yeah, on a yeah, wall? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, it's not mm-hmm. bad that you feel uncomfortable. It's just like, let's just talk about it. That's honestly, yeah. A lot of my stuff is based in education, and that is understanding. I, as a teacher and as a student, there has to be this understanding. You know what I mean? And uh, it's it's a lot of experiments, is what I think art is. It's social experiments, <laughs> and public art is a really big is evidence of a social experiment, yeah. you know? And, you know, if most people just turn to themselves, they'd find the answer. Yeah. Uh, like I had a lunch with a guy that I was thinking about, like investing several hundred thousand dollars, um, a group. I was betting a deal with a group. Mm. Um, and he did it by my lunch and, you know, we're like meeting to go over like a several hundred thousand dollar deal. Right. And I just was like, what's up with this guy? Right? Okay. I just spent the whole time just worried and weirded out hmm. because of like something so simple as like buying my $9 lunch. Okay. Um, hmm. I don't know what that has to do with anything other than there's sometimes there's things that are off and it's good just to kind of wrestle with them and think, what does this? Do I feel off because my own insecurities? Do I feel off because that's something actually wrong? And that's what I've had to actually come to grips with is whether or not to take things personal or to say like, oh, that's a reflection of that person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's actually what's giving me a lot of com- comfort right now is saying that a lot of, if the person is g- giving me grief, like what this person has done, it's a reflection of him. Like I didn't do anything <laughs> yeah. wrong, like to warrant that. But, uh, but then, yeah, you just got to like, yeah, reflect on that right there. Like it could have been me or that is him. So let's, Really, yeah, like objectively try and pick it apart and see, you know, yeah, well, you know, what happened with that, you know, if a lot of that takes energy, a lot of people aren't equipped to to make that type of, you know, uh, a decision or judgment call, you know. Yeah, because the easy path is the one of least resistance. Exactly. The easy path yeah. is that when something bad happens, you just like, well, it's because I'm black. Mm. It's that's that is like the, the, quickest the easy, way. easiest path that and sometimes it might be true and justified and everything else. Exactly. And I'm not saying it's not, but it is still the easiest path because if you want to take the harder path, the hard path is all right. Let me see. Is this actually did I actually do something wrong here? Mm-hmm. Did I not mm-hmm. present this in the right way? Mm-hmm. What is this guy's history? What is you know, is this just a reflection of them? Like, the well, you're not looking for a solution if that's where you leave it. Yeah, yeah you're not looking for a solution. <laughs> and that is a very toxic mentality. I think that. um it shouldn't be negated as a reason, but it shouldn't. Yeah. You can't just throw your hands up, say that is what it is. Cause you're kind of like placing blame outside of yourself. And, uh, uh, it's like, we just said, life is complicated. So there's a lot of factors that you got to like pull in and pull out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And it's bigger than just that alone. Yeah, yeah. man. And, and people think you're attacking them when you attack some of their beliefs. Well, yeah, no, I've had that experience, like unrelated to race. I somebody said a long time ago that a show that I liked was dumb, and I took that person. I was like, "Oh, you saying I'm dumb? I like that show." What you saying about me? I really did get mad, and I was like, "Wait, that's kind of stupid." Yeah, because I um, this is uh, do you remember when the guy um got drunk? And parked his car in the Wendy's drive when Wendy's drive through and fell asleep. Okay. Yeah. That was one um, of the shootings. It was at Atlanta. Yeah. This is in Atlanta. Okay. And then, um, they wake him up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he tries to grab the officer's, uh, taser mm-hmm. and then he ends up, uh, maybe he does grab it and he's running off. I remember him running. Yeah. And they, they the, shoot yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which again, like if that, if anybody in my family fell asleep in a Wendy's drive through and then tried to steal an officer's weapon of any kind and got shot, I'd be like, well, mm-hmm. play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and re- you know, because the people's response to it, like was to burn down the Wendy's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just see like huge flames as the Wendy's on fire. And I just remember thinking like, Hey guys, like this isn't about race. This is just people that want to like commit violence and do like, like this, all this is. Yeah. I um, think, but nothing happens in a vacuum though. You, you know, and uh, had it not been for the previous 10 cases, maybe this one wouldn't have been so abrasive. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Then have certain things overlooked. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, it can't necessarily be, neg- you can't throw the whole pie out, you know what I'm Yeah, exactly. and so, like, I went around, and I was, like, uh, like, I remember somebody messed up my my lunch, and I was, like, I guess I should just burn down this restaurant. Uh, and so I was just, like, making a joke of it, because I just thought it was so ridiculous that, like, this act happened, and they blow down the Wendy's. I'm, like, the Wendy's had nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, yeah. The Wendy's was just a business that existed, right? And, uh and I remember my friend getting so upset because he was very into the whole movement mm-hmm. of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nothing I'm saying is going against your movement. I well, just found something that I thought was ridiculous. It, well, the, I think the, uh, the joke probably hit a, a nerve because it felt a little different, like, um, condescending or like you were, um, not being, uh, like you were dismissive of, uh, of, the emotional sort of tied to it's all there's also symbolism tied into you know these images that we're seeing and uh i think the interpretation of that more than likely was um you're equating your messed up lunch to a person's life you see what i'm saying yeah and because you're equating the responses to be the same so that's probably what that was about i mean despite your um uh, you know, view on whether or not it was justified. That's probably what that was about. So it's, it's got it. I think that w- despite your, you know, disagreements on um, like the actions and, and the mindsets people have, you still got to be sensitive to people's miss. They might misunderstand something, but the, what they feel, what they're experiencing is very real. And uh, you might not share it, but this all brings for Lone Wolf says, not my problem. I don't mm. care about your feelings. I don't need to. That's not my job. That's mm. your job. Mm. The community goes, no, you have to care about my feelings. Mm. And that's ultimately the biggest divide between a conservative mindset and a liberal mindset. Right, right. Uh, and again, those can cross-reference. People can have different ideas and ideologies and everything else. But mm. that's it. It's that I sit there and I go, if you get offended, that's your problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not my problem. If your feelings are hurt, that's your own issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. JD Moore. <laughs> hey, Nathan. Thanks for coming in. Hey, man. Appreciate you having me. <laughs> uh.